I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Never you fear. No, don't you fear. I'll be ready. Forever and always, I'll always be here. I don't know that you're always gonna be here. I think we recorded it. Charlie! Ah! I'm Haley and Charlie's Nacho Guy. Welcome to Snub Dub. Call it the shore. Yeah, it is the shore. Down, down there on the shore. The shore. Do you like it? I like it. Do you like watching it? <laughs> shore watching is the <laughs> Jersey Shore <laughs> Bay watching crossover. Yeah, the Jersey Shore Bay where Snooky ones in slow motion. That's... And it looks ridiculous. Yeah, shore watching. Her anatomy is just wrong. <laughs> like they did it. They did it bad. So like yeah, like God was just like, oof, this is a bad joke. All right, send it off. <laughs> So, uh, that's a timely j jab at Snooky. Yeah, the timely Snooky. <laughs> we sing All-Star, like, once an episode. When have we ever attempted to be timely? <laughs> Nothing, never, never, not once. Um, speaking of not attempting to be timely. <laughs> speaking of not attempting to be timely. Uh, we have She's a holding a VHS in her Skype picture right yeah. here. So, uh, we have a special guest. and From Movie Nights. From Movie Nights. Baywatching. Baywatching, formerly known, formerly known as, as the Obscure Lupin. The Obscure <laughs> Lupin, currently known as Allison Pregler. Welcome, Allison Pregler. Welcome. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. As they say on so the beach. How long have <laughs> How long have you been uh, a shark <laughs> wearing a hat in Toy Story? <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I guess that was a thing you did, didn't it? <laughs> that that did was happen. a thing. We only no. we only deal in timely references here. That's oh, true. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> you ain't going to get anything timely with me here. I don't know, no, I don't know what's good. going we, on we currently. Were intending to. <laughs> You'll be a perfect match. Yeah, I definitely am not sure who the president is and don't want to know, so don't. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> Years from now, I'll read history books and be like, oh, shit. Well, I'm <laughs> Watch out. Glad I was just disconnected from the rest of the world during that point. Yeah, right? <laughs> I lived in a basement. So the first video of yours I saw was your The Room review, mm. um, which was, when did you do that? Oh, gosh. Um, 2010, I think. 2010. It, it was seven. my 15th video, I think, but it was my first one on that guy with the glasses, so it's a lot of people's first video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry for not discovering you prior to that. <laughs> can't believe you. Don't you know what a big deal I am? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. A solid review. So, I, well, yeah, I um, had not heard of The Room at that point, actually. Uh, wow. That was, that, yeah. So your, your exposure to your current favorite One movie. of my favorite... 
Definitely my favorite quote bad unquote movie. Yeah. Is the room and yeah, my exposure to Charlie it. Charlie and I have actually gotten into heated fights in our early like time as friends about whether or not the room is actually bad. Um <laughs> Well, <laughs> he had a great I, uh, director of photography, so that makes it very, very yeah, strange in great, the bad movie realm. And that it, it actually does look great. But yeah, um, it looks good, and there's like some interesting effects. Well, in my in my opinion, it's an accidental character study of Tommy Wiseau himself. Yeah, oh, sure, because it's based on kind of a breakup he actually went through through his leg. Oh, you, yeah, that's you can tell. <laughs> You can absolutely tell. Because he directed and wrote and produced and executive produced and starred in it. This is the closest (laughs) we can get. Inside a human being's brain. Yeah. That isn't Um, ourselves. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, what what I can say about that is um, there is a lot of that in The Disaster Artist, um, which Mm -hmm. is the the book that Greg Sestero wrote about uh, making the room and they're making it into a movie now. And uh, I've I, read The Disaster Artist. It's really great. And it tells yeah, you a lot have. about Tommy Wiseau as a person. And it's actually That's quite That's when I decided that, like... Yeah, because he... Tommy the Birdman. <laughs> it, at the beginning, he's like, what is bad art? Like, if it reaches an audience that finds enjoyment from it, how is it bad? At the beginning, and I'm like, oh, no. I think this might be a good movie. Yeah. I mean, like... Despite, like, all of the bandwagoning mm, of, like, and, this is terrible. Well, a- Allison's got a very distinct style that I-, I noticed right away and immediately drew me to her videos in that everyone lo- did... At the time, I don't know anyone who wasn't doing that. I hate things that are bad, shtick! <laughs> and she was like, I love them. Yeah. Well, no, that's... A, it's it's such a dichotomy. Not dichotomy, it's a... Right, opposition it's, to everything yeah. else. It was, it's, it's, honestly unique and refreshing to like see someone be like, "Hey, this thing that everybody complains about, I love it so much. <laughs> it brings me joy." <laughs> like I got that same feeling when I saw because there was Cinema Sins forever, and then some dude made Cinema Wins, and I was like, <laughs> "This is positive and nice. I like this." <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. I was just gonna say thank you. Um, I I like doing it that style because I'm, you know, when I started, like it was just sort of try and find my voice and do what sticks. And I found right away that I'm I'm not really good at being yelly, screamy, angry, and uh, mm-hmm. and that certainly has its audience and can be really funny. But uh, I do I do just be I get tired of being constantly negative about something. And and so bad it's good movies are really great experiences to have with with friends and with uh people you enjoy yeah. spending time with and uh, and I like finding the positive in that rather than just saying you know this is bad for obvious reasons I might be misremembering but didn't you write the forward for a book about so bad it's good movies I did I wrote the forward for so bad it's good um by uh Ed hmm. Simia I'm sorry, Ed, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, he did two books, and I did uh, the the foreword for the first one and the second one, which is so bad it's good too. Um, I wrote a, a bit about Baywatch in that one, I think, or maybe Baywatch. Not, I'm forgetting; it's been so long. I did write something about it because he he included some uh, TV as well as movies in that one. Well, uh, how did he reach out to you for that? How did he find you? He just emailed me. Um, I don't remember at that point if 
my main email was like out or if uh, it was my my business email but uh yeah he just reached out and asked if i wanted to write for it and i was like hell yeah <laughs> i like talking about so bad it's good movies and nice to be published somewhere so uh and i he's since become my friend i, I love ed so oh, that's your friend whose last name you don't know how to say <laughs> it's it's weird it's uh, he's we told me one. too i've asked him how to pronounce it it's it's simia or simia i i'm terrible at this but uh but yeah, he's great. And that ties into Baywatching, too, because um, when I, I used to do these streams um, and just invite random people in and we would, you know, uh, riff on movies or TV shows or whatever. And that's how I started getting into Baywatch, um, because I'd uh, I'd watched an episode and just out of curiosity, because it had an actor in it that I liked. And it, Which one? Uh, the episode's called The Runaways, which is, is my favorite episode of Baywatch, actually. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I watched and it. Who, who does it have in it? <laughs> One of the actors from She-Wolf of London is in it. Neil Dixon. Awesome. Um, oh, it's hilarious. There's a scene with him and little Richard, which is so surreal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that episode. And it's, it's coming up soon, um, on Baywatching, uh, because it's, I think it was Baywatch's 100th episode, but I can't be sure. But um, because it's not aired in order, but uh, I feel like that was the the 100th one they filmed. And uh, anyway, I I started streaming the episodes because uh, I thought they were really funny, and um, I watched them with Ed and with another friend of mine, Greg, and uh, and that's where a lot of the staple jokes on Baywatching came from. Just making fun of it. Right. Mitch loves burgers. Uh-huh, hates yeah. dogs. Hates dogs. Hates dogs. Absolutely hates them. Uh, Eddie is the best character and the worst character. <laughs> Man, Eddie was... I was... Uh, <laughs> when I started doing Baywatching, it was a little disappointing. I, I was trying to imitate Phelan's version of Eddie doing the... I'm a sex symbol! And uh, <laughs> it's, it's so funny when, when Phelan was doing it, but I was determined to just do all the voices myself on Baywatch. Well, it was so- now that I, now that you mentioned that I definitely do hear Phelan's voice in your Oh yeah. Voice. Yeah, he hated Eddie. <laughs> he had a lot of fun the making funny fun. Thing is, I um I had a very similar experience watching Supernatural with my friend and I gave almost the same voice to Sam Winchester. Oh my god, so did um, we. Yeah, it was yeah, my girlfriend's dead and my Oh, yeah. We did the that, same thing wh- when Phelan and I were watching Supernatural. That was the Sam voice. Is like, oh, yeah. Dean, Dean, I ended up being in the world again, Dean. Oh, I, sure. I had sex with a demon. Yeah, my my favorite was always to imitate uh, Dean because in like season one, he's like a, a guy with a a normal sounding voice. Yeah, a mid-range voice trying to do a deep voice, and it sounds normal. And then, like, in later seasons, he's a guy with a deep voice just doing a bad Sylvester Stallone impression, basically. He's just trying to be Batman more and more. Well, it's his voice is the same amount deeper from his real voice as it was at the start of the show, but his real voice got... Deeper, yeah. So it's, it's it's too much. There are certain scenes that are supposed to be dramatic, but he's just talking like this, and I'm like, oh boy. No, I, yeah. I love your Dean impression. It's so funny. <laughs> Thank you. I did the uh, when I, I was about to do a serious uh, reading of your um, Quantum Leap fan fiction. I showed you the reading of like a 
troll fic uh, for Supernatural. <laughs> Wasn't it? Dean it Bakes was about a, a cake or casserole or something? Pie. It was Dean Bakes Casa Pie and oh, yeah. Cass Bakes Dina Pie a were pie. the two. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. It said, like, my favorite line in it was that there's a line where it just says all the fathers were doing their taxes <laughs> while describing a normal day. <laughs> like, and then also Deanie Weenie uh, is something that Cass calls him. Right. Deanie Weenie. Listen, Deanie Weenie. <laughs> yeah, the Cass impression is really close, too. Thank you. It's he does not... a solid. We did a we did a like a bogus real time fandom. Yeah, just like for fun, like we were bored for an hour, and, so we just yeah. scrolled through Netflix to see what we could. And dump. We, we wound up doing the one where they were on a plane. Uh huh. And, and, and our, so... the best line was uh, when when they're trying to figure out who the demon is on the plane. I go, uh, is it the pilot? And then she goes, No, no. it's episode six. <laughs> that was season one, wasn't it? The plane. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a really early one. And yeah, when they didn't know what to do with demons, and when you when you actually know the lore of the show, you watch back on season one, and it's like, oh, they just killed that man. They just killed a human man. Oh, they just, just they just stopped caring him. after a point. They just killed everyone yeah. after that. <laughs> well, like, and before they really understood demons, they just stabbed demons. No, they, like, after they understood demons, they still stabbed them. They still do. That's true. Now that they know more, <laughs> they kill them more often. They You're right, no but that's but get. when there's like a one demon, uh, like a like a hunter on demon scenario, they'll try to exercise them. And when it's just a pile of demons, they're like, "Guess we're murdering just people a whole today. shit pile of demons, just a lot of it's murdering." Like, yeah, you know, I I like stopped essentially watching... just sleeping people. I, yeah, yeah, just like. I, I stopped watching after a point because it just it got to be too repetitive and, and mean. Yep. But um, I, but I am gonna watch when and... they do the Scooby Doo crossover they're doing this. Well, season. I forgot about that. What? <laughs> yeah, they're doing a what? crossover with Scooby Doo, an animated crossover. What? <laughs> this show's so fucking weird. What? <laughs> I, I love that that um the people the guy who writes the comic relief episodes is the dude who created the Tick, and like they he just goes all out with the comic relief and is just like, nah, don't care. <laughs> I do love a show that just does whatever it wants. Because there's some yeah, shows yeah, that absolutely. have, like, no rules and they'll just do whatever. And, like, it, whatever problems I have with Supernatural's current storylines or lack thereof, um, when they just do something crazy, they just go for it. So some of their comedy oh, yeah. episodes are, are just great television. Well, I remember... weren't weren't you and Phelan doing a supernatural podcast until you just gave up on still watching the show? Yeah, well, because sometimes I go into things where I'm just hate watching, um, and it can be fun to a point, but then sometimes you just start feeling miserable about it, and uh, that's what was going mm -hmm. on hate with watching supernatural. It, it was just your chore to watch. So yeah, that's that's an interesting thing though. Like I feel like a lot of people do that to get content and get reactions out of themselves, as they put themselves in a situation where they just start to like fester with rage <laughs> at a particular show. Whereas you take a very different approach, where you like it's honestly like a much healthier approach to being like a creative critic kind of critical person is like, hey, um, I don't like this anymore. Uh, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> well, that didn't used to be the case. Like I, I'm kind of a completist with things, and I think if Supernatural was was done and I knew there was an end point, I would binge watch my way through it, even if I hated the end of it. But um, it's just I've been watching that 
since season three, and it just felt yeah. like a huge chunk of my life I was spending just being miserable. And um, <laughs> I like to to finish shows, especially when I do start off really liking them, like Supernatural. Um, but uh, I've gotten more recently less patient with that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, I mean, like Supernatural is such a weird thing. Last thing on Supernatural before this becomes a Supernatural podcast. Yeah. I just got to say, my first exposure to Supernatural, I was recovering from a surgery. I was in a hospital in Pennsylvania, and I was, like, drugged up and, like, on morphine and, like, like, a drip and, like, sleeping medications to, like, pass me out and just all this stuff. My dad is staying overnight with me, and he's like, hey, let's watch Supernatural. I was like, okay. And so he puts on the first episode, like, one of the first things I see while just, like, super delirious and in a lot of pain is a woman pinned to the ceiling burning alive. Oh, that's And good. I was like, oh, good, great. Well, no sleep for me. <laughs> that's actually, that actually brings me to a story that I wanted to tell you, which was another hospital-related first experience to a show. Mm. Um, Very niche. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very niche. Uh, my... My dad's first time watching Quantum Leap was my sister was born in 1989. So one of the first season's episodes, like initial airings, was uh, on the day my sister was born. So my dad just watched it in the hospital waiting room. And at <laughs> first was just like, I mean, this is on, so I'll watch it. And then it got to a point where like... It legit distracted him from why he was there. <laughs> so my exposure to Quantum Leap is my sister, knowing that was how her birth happened, um, got it for my father for a birthday or something. And um, yeah, so that's so we all watched it together and my dad's birthday. And I was like, oh, wait, but this is good enough to make me forget <laughs> that I, my child is being born. Well, I have great. not watched Quantum Leap. Uh, Allison, how did you discover it? I, uh, I'm a fairly new fan of Quantum Leap in the grand scheme of things. There's some people, you know, like you that are nostalgic because they watched it with their parents or, or people that watched it when it aired. Well, I didn't, I must have watched it with my parents. It wasn't that long ago. It was, I mean, I guess it was 10 years ago. Shoot. <laughs> Time has no meaning, doesn't it? Um, no, what what is time? Never heard that word before. <laughs> this was um I don't know three or four years ago. I first watched it um, because Phelan's really into it. Like he likes stories about time travel, and uh, he'd recommended it. And I think I I'd heard the name before, but it was never on uh, that I recall. Like I don't remember seeing reruns or anything. And whenever I heard the name, it just sounded like a a boring science show. So I was like, Quantum Leap, what is that? Whatever, time travel, all right. Um, but I watched it with Phelan, and I, I just took to it right away. Um, cause I and it consumed your life. It consumed my life, yeah. I just, I really enjoy um, that it's a, it's a show about second chances, about making a positive difference in the world. Um, but it doesn't feel, like, sugary sweet all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I I like stories about identity where people are kind sure. of like struggling with um with who they are and, and finding themselves. They see mirror images that were not their own. Yeah, yeah. Driven that's by exactly an unknown force to change history for the better. Yeah. Or just uh stepping into someone else's shoes and um 
and finding out how other people live. And uh, I just I just think that's Which, great. Yeah, and then it, the first season was just kind of silly with that, but then immediately in season two, it starts like trying to give him you know the perspectives of people who aren't. Uh, rich white scientists. Yeah, well, the the turning episode <laughs> with twelve doctorates. The turning episode for them there was because this initially just started out as like let's do some body hopping and see how it goes. Um, they did an episode called "The Color of Truth" in season one, which was about racism. It was That's uh, right, he yeah. leaps into a black man in the South in the fifties, um, and there's a lot of like driving Miss Daisy in there and stuff like that. Um, but this was written yeah. by. Deborah Pratt, who uh, co-created the show with Donald Belisario, and she Bruce is Chris Pratt's mom. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she is Troy and Belisario's mom uh, from Pretty Little Liars. But um, she uh, she's a black woman, and so she would write stories that would have to do with race or with women or minorities and things like that. And this was their first attempt at doing a really socially conscious episode. So that it, this was still in season one, and. This was basically going to determine, like, should we do this kind of thing? Are people going to take to this? And it hmm. did really well. So uh, that's why when they started doing more episodes about uh, heavier subjects. So uh, you own a, a, a lint portrait of Dean Stockwell. Yeah, dryer lint. lint. Haley, Haley has not watched these videos. Can you describe them? Oh, what? I got it. So, <laughs> So Dean Stockwell is is uh, he plays Al on Quantum Leap, one okay, of the yeah, yeah. two characters that show up in every episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, I was googling for I think a reaction image or something, and I saw a picture of this thing, which is this portrait of Dean Stockwell. Uh, it's, it's a picture from Quantum Leap, and the portrait uh. is made out of dryer lint. <laughs> and I found it, it was an eBay listing, and I just thought this was so bizarre. <laughs> um, That's like and, some fucking, like, deep web Etsy shit. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> oh, $300, who would pay that? But then I thought, I really want oh, this. Oh, wait, I would. <laughs> I would. I would pay $300 for this. And it, and it went into this whole journey, which was just amazing. Um, because it was in a pawn shop in California, in L.A., and it was pickup only. And what? I was I just really wanted it. So I reached out to people on Twitter. I was like, hey, if someone can pick this up for me, like I'll review <laughs> anything that you want. And someone took me up on the offer. Um, his name's uh, Kyle Williams. And um, so he uh, he told me he could do it for me. So he did. He picked it up and I, I sent him the money for shipping and all that. And uh, he sent it to me and I ended up reviewing uh, Airborne <laughs> for, for him, which was fun. <laughs> And um, yeah, this sent me down a whole journey trying to figure out what this what this portrait was because uh, the the artist who made it, um, she's the she, she calls herself the Lint Lady, and I, I'm spacing on her name right now, but she's famous for this for these portraits, um, really, which uh, are displayed That's... in like Ripley's Believe It or Not museums and stuff like that. Like she's actually that is fairly well known bizarre yeah and i uh i asked her about it i emailed her and she was really nice and she said it was a, a prop for a show that dean stockwell had hosted that that was canceled but she didn't remember what it was and i had never seen anything that had this in it i was like what so it was it was something from 20 years ago that he would have hosted um but i couldn't figure out what it was and eventually this led me down this whole big 
detective thing. Um, and I ended up finding out it was for a an unaired pilot for Ripley's Believe It or Not that they didn't. Did. Uh, wasn't that a uh, Phelan uh, got you uh, old fan newsletter for Quantum Leap as a as a uh, present? He did as a, as an anniversary gift. <laughs> <laughs> he got me it was uh shoot what is it called quantum quarterly maybe it's one of those old uh fanzines from the 90s that they were publishing before imdb and all that or imdb right, yeah, yeah. was maybe early stages but um if people wanted to know what the actors were doing they would buy these pamphlets from like conventions and uh this was one of them and it was about scott bacula and dean stockwell and phelan just randomly got this for me um didn't even realize it had the answer. It to the had the answer to the clue. That's been keeping it had the, you up the, at the night. vital That's clue. Um, and I was reading it, and it listed this this uh, pilot that was not on IMDb. I'd never heard of, and uh, it turns out that's what it was. I uh, I tweeted at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Twitter just like a long shot, like, "Hey, did you guys do this pilot? And was this commissioned for it?" And they're like, "Yep." <laughs> I was so, so excited. Amazing. So that was like uh, a pilot that was made to try to get uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not made into a show like two or three years before the Dean Cain one eventually got picked up. Yeah, right? and I guess there was also um, there was another one in the 80s that people were telling me about that they were, I guess, pretty fond of that I, I'd never heard of. So I guess this was like a second iteration they were trying to get oh, going. Oh, okay. An attempt at a uh, second iteration that didn't work out. So they only wanted hosts... Uh, named dean that starred in shows from the 90s <laughs> i guess <laughs> i really want to see this but i kind of i kind of have an idea what it would be like because i've seen some other shows uh that dean stockwell hosted where he's just you know walking in front of like an, an ominous room like let me tell you about this thing merely makes you think there was a a, a show he hosted about conspiracies that was like something archives or phenomenon or something like that where it was all about like what do you think the russians were doing here or what this could be <laughs> it was it was kind of interesting and he would always be in like a trench coat with like an ominous hat on and... <laughs> like a like a ninja turtle trying to buy pizza yeah that's yeah. exactly what he was dressed like yeah and he would be walking on uh, steps in some vaguely washington looking area yeah well uh, so how many terrible things have you watched just because he was in it oh a, a bunch he's he's been <laughs> acting for like 70 years uh, really has, has has scott bacula ever played a dracula has there ever on been a quantum bacula leap dracula? he did yeah he did he uh, played a dracula okay they had, they had a vampire did, episode but, of quantum leap but unfortunately he was not playing scott bacula in that so they couldn't make the bacula dracula joke oh no. he t i think i i read somewhere that like as a kid people would call him that a lot because of that gray streak in his hair because he got that like when he was really young, so people would make jokes yeah. about it. The, the, I remember <laughs> he was a young, distinguished boy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in uh, real time fan dub when we were dubbing Voltron, one of the main characters has a uh, gray streak in his hair. So my friend Shelby, who's like one of the only cast members that's older than me, 
uh, makes a joke calling him Scott Bakula, and I'm like, Shelby, you can't make these joke around that joke around like these 18 year olds. So I just my character just raises his arms and shouts in excitement. So I go, Scott Bakula has a gray streak in his hair. That's the joke. <laughs> do, do He's none, the guy from Quantum Leap. Do none of these kids watch Enterprise? At least, well, they shouldn't. Uh, why nah. would they watch Enterprise? I watched Enterprise. <laughs> Actually, New I shouldn't. Fan? Even, I'm. I'm okay with it. I like the 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 the, the topsy turvy episode when they're evil. That's that, yeah, fun. that's the best one, really. When they're um, when they're actually supposed to be evil. <laughs> yeah, not just like average evil day for them. My cousin uh, texted me recently and was like, "Yo, I've been watching Enterprise and it's fantastic. I don't know why people hate on this show." And I'm like, "Mm-hmm." Mm. <laughs> so so why do people hate? It? Let me. What what do I what do I tell him? <laughs> I mean, like. I guess if you are an uncritical viewer, um, you might <laughs> you might find some entertainment in it. But the thing is, like, especially for someone who's been a, a critic for so long, like, there's so many problematic issues with that show. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, a lot of people like it, and there are very few good episodes, but the good ones, like, they are all right. Like, season four, they were going somewhere with it. They had a new showrunner, and it was less sexist and creepy. So it, it's just it's not the type of show to post about on Tumblr. Ooh, it's well, I mean, post I home to that. I did like a live blog of it on Tumblr, which is pretty fun because a lot of people <laughs> like a lot of Star Trek fans don't like it, so they like when people make fun of it. Well, it's like it's just it's a it's a problematic show. Yeah, well, I, like, I remember there's... even when I was a kid, when it was airing, um, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that it was on because my dad was a Trekkie, so I, I kind of r- vaguely recall knowing about it. But every time I saw it, it it was just so boring. Like, yeah. I would change the... Ch- I would be like, what is... They're all sitting in a sauna or something half naked, and it was just... Yeah. Like, it was so or boring. Like, they're, like, talking to somebody, but they haven't, like fixed their inner like their their universal translator and so they're just like talking to an alien they don't understand and it's just this long conversation about well we don't understand him (laughs) what do we do it was a lot of the worst aspects too of like post 9-11 television because this was 2003 2004 and a lot of it uh, especially the, the season three arc was an allegory for terrorists and 9-11 and it was taking the stance of you know like america's right and it it was just because that's what star trek's always been about america (laughs) yeah exactly well that's that was archer's character from the start with him and the vulcans like he's so racist (laughs) so captain archer is captain america no no because captain america isn't a a racist that's true that's true (laughs) um but yeah so uh i also have another question allison Hmm. um why are you just like so unhealthily obsessed with Phalus? <laughs> like, what is what is what is you put his you put his website at the end of all your videos, and you just constantly spouting off about his impressions and what what what's the real what's the rub there? What's the skinny? Is there anything between you two? Yeah, is there something? Is there a hot take where we can get a good scoop? Exclusive. The first time anyone's ever heard about this. Yeah, any exclusives we can get? Uh, well, I've been so secretive about it, but uh... <laughs> secretive about what? Well, we've been dating for about six years now, so <laughs> scandal. One of my favorite uh, jokes you've ever made is when he tweeted like, uh, 
people comment, uh, my girl, uh, hey, your girlfriend sucks, and expect me to agree with them, and then you respond, your girlfriend sucks. It's <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> true, she sucks, though. <laughs> She's pretty bad. <laughs> we don't get that as you... much anymore. When we first started dating, people just hated that we were in each other's videos and talking about how we were well... ruining them. And... <laughs> well, yeah, but that now uh, your viewership mo- it consists of the people willing to go to Phalus.com mostly. Not as much since Blip shut down. Now you got YouTube subscribers, but got that you don't have those people that are... Um... <laughs> well, people are more used to it now. Like, yeah. the, I think we got more comfortable doing videos together, too, because there's uh-huh. always kind of like figuring out how to to do it as a a pairing rather than solo. The right. the videos the the reviews on Phalus's channel that you do with him and Brad are always my favorites. Oh, those are some <laughs> of our favorites to film. We always have oh a blast. Oh my god. <laughs> have you ever have you seen any of those Haley? Um I haven't seen a lot. No. No, they do I've the definitely they... seen the um the the midnight showing. Oh, you got to you got to watch the uh the the Puss in Boots mockbuster because it has <laughs> William Shatner doing just the wrong voice for reasons no one can assess. <laughs> this is this is the Shatner cat. Oh, I have oh. boots. Oh, so well, so yeah, he does like a. It's the it, because like, the movie was originally in French and they're mm. dubbing it in English, so there's that bizarre kind and of. He's French Canadian. Yeah, so. the bizarre French Canadian animation where they're trying to to match the lip flaps and everything's just sort of off about everything in it. And there's wow. some yeah. The first song, all of the lyrics are lost. Well, no, the first music to play in the movie is exclusively on the kazoo. The oh first right, song. Yeah. The first song, all of the words are la la la. Oh, and then the third song is a public domain French song, not dubbed by the English voice actress. Well, that, that made it a better song. That's true, because, oh boy. I had actually watched that like two or three years before you guys made that video. And I'm sorry. And my, <laughs> me, well, yeah, no, we, uh, we actually did have to take a break cause it gives you a headache rather quickly. It's I don't a know difficult if that was also one to watch. Yeah. They, it's just noisy, especially cause like any time that Katner is moving around, Katner. William Shatner has the need to ADR him just going, Oh, oh yeah. There's oh, constantly oh, like the, Oh, oh. Jesus. You gotta watch their review it of it. It sounds like a fucking nightmare. Um, Brad had a really tough time watching that with us, by the way, because yeah. like he has even he has a low tolerance for really bad kids' movies. Like well, that, that one I wouldn't necessarily call so bad it's good, like cause it, yeah, it does give you a headache. There's it's, a it's threshold. There's a threshold where it actually starts to hurt you. And Charlie I don't think gets this, but I got it really bad. We watched the Emoji movie. We did. <laughs> on opening our, day. We were shooting our movie. Uh, we did the photo shoot for the poster of uh, Experimental Film coming uh, November 18th. And um, 
we did the poster shoot, and then and we, so were we, had some time to, we were supposed we were to. We were supposed to shoot a scene, uh, the, uh, do the first actual shooting uh, at, at Push Boy's house. Yeah, at, our, at my coworker from the movie theater's house, Push but, Boy. Push Boy, we call him. But uh, like his girlfriend was going on a trip, and like uh, the next day, so that was like the day he had to spend with her. So he wasn't like available to let us use his house until like. Like, 10 p.m. Yeah, or something. Yeah, like 8, 9 p.m. Like, so, and so we had to do the poster in daylight, and then we had to do the only other thing we had planned for that day. After like, nightfall. And so, so we were like, what do we do? I work at a movie theater. Let's go see the Emoji movie for free. Right. So we went in there. I, I made it about... 15 minutes in before I started, like, hurting myself. Because at first she was like, oh, it's funny to make fun of. And then she was like, oh, wait, it's not actually. It's not It's not funny. It's not funny at <laughs> There's all. There's nothing funny about it. <laughs> started, like, There's nothing funny about life. And then, like, we got about three quarters of the way through the movie before Charlie was like, Haley, let's leave. Well, I was like, hey, uh, Riley says he's available. Do you want to stay to the end? And Haley was like, no. No, I, I immediately stood <laughs> up and left. I... I fell into, like, an actual, like, depression. I was genuinely, like, deeply existentially upset and, uh, after that film. The co-star of our the movie, because Haley and I had been hanging out forever, so I got that that's what was going on. Yeah, but, but Sean was, was like, Sean are was, you okay? Yeah, <laughs> she was playing it as if it was a bit, because she was embarrassed by being depressed by yeah. something like the Emoji movie. Yeah. So he just thought it was a bit that just went on too long, and... <laughs> She yeah. had committed Aww. to too hard. Yeah, but I was, like, genuinely, like, I, I like, had to, like, call friends after that <laughs> and be like, L what is, what, guys, art is, why am I even trying to well, make a yeah, movie? Yeah, so the difference between, like, the Emoji movie and, like, The Room or Birdemic is The Room has an identity and, and the Birdemic, they have a director that has a vision and it has, like, a soul to it. Right. It does not resemble good cinema, but, like... It resembles, like, a person's vision. Yeah, it's like, it looks like uh, a person was like, I'm going to make a movie. And then they made it, and you kind of can't help but feel proud of them a yeah, little bit. Yeah, like, hey, good job, you made a movie. Like, that's hard. We're making a movie it's right hard, now. It's hard It's hard work, and it's going to come out, like, okay, and, like, it looks like a movie, and it sounds like a movie, but, like, you know, it's, it's, it's janky, because making movies is hard. But, like... You watch the emoji movie. There's no soul to it. There's, there's no, no, there's, there's no, no artist, excuse. There's, there's no, no excuse. Vision. There's the one movie I've ever seen that's just they had, somehow lacking. It is Sony. They had all of the money. They could have <laughs> made an amazing emoji movie. They could have made one so compelling and deep with characters and just like they could have. They could have been so creative and interesting with this movie. Like we, they could have been like we would all been like oh the fucking emoji movie and we see it and we're like. Oh my god, wow, what a statement on whatever the fuck. No. <laughs> Instead, fucking Hackstorm shows up, and she's like, look at me, I got purple hair and a hat. Look, I'm so edgy. Actually, I'm just a fucking princess. Oh, and you're fucking, well, you don't want to be okay, Haley, what Haley, you are. Haley, Haley, relax. So speaking of movies, uh, tell us about Jesus, bro. Uh, Haley, do you even know about this? No. Okay, so uh, there's a movie in which uh, both, it's a movie that Brad made and Allison and Malcolm are both in it. Oh, you were telling me about this. Yeah, we should watch it right after this. Honestly. Yeah, let's watch Jesus. I've seen bro. it. It's so fucking Yeah, I funny. mean, if you guys liked his devil impression, you seem to like it from your interview with him. He, he plays that character in the movie. Mm. Yeah, he plays Satan in the movie and then uh, Rob plays uh, Santa Christ. Cause Wait. You listened to an episode of Snub Dub? I I did I to prepare. <laughs> I, I don't want to go in blind. <laughs>
This is big news. Somebody <laughs> listened to our podcast. Charlie. Wait, we, that's our first viewer. Ring the first viewer bell. Amazing. Can't believe we a bell at the ready for that. There's actually three. We, she has three bells here. At first, it was just an accident. It's like, I don't know. I need some fucking place to put my bells. But <laughs> as um, you do. I have this plethora of bells. But it, it always comes in handy every time we're recording. So yep. she's like, I can't move these. Yeah, no, there's just three bells at the ready at all times. Um, well, so, yes, no, sorry. Tell us about Jesus, bro. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to shoot. It was, um, if you don't know the plot of it, it if you're familiar with um, Brad's Midnight Screenings, you know, he does a lot of, like, yep. of those pure flicks religious movies. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And he did, a, he wrote the script Christ. for this. Um, he didn't direct it. Uh, Ryan Mitchell, did. But, um... Brad wrote this movie that's sort of, it's a parody of a lot of those kinds of films, like God's Not Dead or Old Fashioned. Or, or God's Not Dead 2. Yeah. Or the upcoming This God's... time he is. No. No, yeah. God's Not Dead 2 is where God, I guess God wasn't actually proven. God's oh. Not Dead 3D. Oh my God. The body Don't, don't of give Christ. Don't give oh them No, they are. They're, they're, the Eucharist hit me God's in the face. God's Not Dead 2 ends with sequel bait. Really? Yes. What is it? Look, God just keeps dying, and they have to keep... He's like, not God dead. Is the antagonist Friedrich Nietzsche? What is what is the deal with this movie? The antagonist is Hercules. That's right, yeah. We're going to have to go to a commercial break. <laughs> All right. But um, Jesus Bro is a parody of a lot of those uh, kinds of movies. Um, but it's not meant to be, like... Um, insulting toward the Christian religion because I'm a Christian, so I wouldn't do and something. Isn't, and is isn't Brad as well? If I'm not mistaken, he's. I don't think he identifies as Christian, but he's not atheist either. Okay. Mm. So, um, and he grew up in a, a religious school, so he he knows a lot of the material. So it's it's not like just saying like Christianity's stupid, um, because it it's, was it's more not that just. It was more just critiquing how uh, the the Pure Flix movies kind of. Pure Almost flicks? yeah, pure flicks. Pure flicks. Yeah. It's like Netflix. She's so but uninitiated. It's like Netflix, but um, for Christian but movies. But a lot of the ones that they release are the not. The Dove Foundation loves it. Yeah, a lot of the ones they release are kind of like they don't have great messages. You know, they're kind of yeah. They, they're they're, they're almost like they they give honestly they give Christians a bad name. Yeah. So like they're the attempt with Jesus Bro is to make uh movie that's both you know a funny genre parody but also like gets christianity correct mm. unlike the actual movies so you're saying yeah, well, I, um... I really liked the message of of jesus bro you know and um the story of it centers on dave who plays a famous internet atheist who uh oh good he has a uh a near-death experience kind of and person he ends he has up a near-death experience and then tries to convert his atheist subscribers yeah wow and, and, and he... the best thing is recently there was a movie a serious movie starring hercules hercules makes a lot of these movies he did okay, he did I'm a movie he did called let there kevin sorbo did a movie called let there be light which is that plot but unironic which just coincidentally happened to be made. A co- coincidentally, quote unquote. No, they were wow. they were developed around the same time. So I mean, mm, it, it really was a coincidence. But it, I just saw "Let There Be Light." By the way, um, a few days yeah, ago. Yeah, you did. And a, it was you, horrible. 
you did a midnight screenings with Brad in the shiniest jacket. <laughs> There's literally, so you know, the midnight screenings has just the car light lighting it. And it reflects off of her jacket so much that her chin is illuminated that's more amazing. than the rest of her face. Yeah. Well, you know, well, that, it's that's called that's, let um, there be light. It, it, well, you know how if you hold a buttercup up under your your chin um, and it shines yellow, it means that you like butter. That's a thing I heard when I was well, a kid. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so what happens with the jacket is if the, if it shines up on your chin, then God loves you. No, it means you. It means you like the eighties. Oh, that would do it. Yeah. So, um, but we do actually have to go to a commercial break now. So, uh, we'll be right back after these messages. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after these messages. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, kids. Are you in with this whole new the 80s are cool again fad? I like Stranger Things! Good! That's what we've been wanting. How about Thor Ragnarok? I like... Goldblum! Good! He was from the 80s. <laughs> well, how about this? We have a whole, um, new... <laughs> we have a new subscription loot crate service that brings you exclusively shit we found in a landfill from the 80s! Every and month, you'll receive any of the number of the following. Cocaine! 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 It and was a e. very... the game. <laughs> a can of hairspray. Neon. Just tubes. Of neon? Just tubes of neon gas. <laughs> Unlit. Pizza. Giant Extra shoulder cheese. pads. <laughs> uh, a, the scalp of Bon Jovi. <laughs> And more. And so sign up now. <laughs> so sign up now. You have uh, you have to call a phone on a phone line, and then also uh, that, send us a letter to our PO box. You have to call us. You have to send us a fax if you can. Fax if you can. That's that gives you the elite subscription service, which we will send you reams of fax paper as well. <laughs> To continue we your faxing endeavors. To, you have to pay for the fax paper, but then we'll send you blank faxes. Yes. So, so it'll, the, you know. Then it, you get it back. Yeah. So you're going to get your money's worth in blank faxes. Um, every once in a while, we send an interesting uh, emoji just made out of slashes. And Ask for $2 an more, ASCII. we'll explain to you what a fax is, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not know what faxes are? Millions of Americans are m mostly ignorant and it doesn't affect their everyday lives. I once called a phone number on a business card and it just sounded like strange scratchy machine noises. I thought, I thought a computer was going to kill me. No, that's a fax machine. You called a fax machine. You're an idiot. 1-800-FAX! <laughs> Today, that's facts with uh, six so many eyes. six A's or seven A's, <laughs> or no the, the five A's. <laughs> I guess we're back then. I guess we're back then. We were making fun of our sponsors. Yeah, well, I mean, our sponsors suck, and they're that, really obsessed. They're with also. The I don't know how much might... money they're making off faxes right now. I really don't. <laughs> There's a spider on you. Oh, there's boy. definitely a spider on. Oh, right there, it's flying. Flying spiders are the worst kind of spiders! <laughs> Where is it? 
This is actually not a bit. There really was just a spider swinging right on Why Bradley is there a fucking across the room. Spider? No! I'm sorry, Allison hasn't said anything for a while. While Haley's packing about <laughs> So Allison, do you like spiders? I'm sorry, all I got out of that was <laughs> I said, do you like spiders? Uh, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't like, I wouldn't want to own one as a pet. I get, I just sort of leave them alone. I'm not like terribly bothered by them, but I wouldn't want like. Right. I can't even imagine what terribly bothered by spiders would sound like. <laughs> Phelan really hates spiders. He, they bother him. It's. Was... The worst thing is that it just disappeared. <laughs> he reviewed, uh. Both of you have looked at a lot of horror movies, and I've found, like, uh, when people look at horror movies and talk about how silly they are, it, it, it leads, like, the commenters to, like, thank them, because they that movie had been, like, giving them nightmares forever, and, like, it's like, oh, now that I see how silly it is, it doesn't scare me anymore. Did you... I actually had that experience with Signs. Signs? With yeah. Nostalgic Yeah, with Nostalgic Cricket, when, when, when the Cricksalgic McNugget... Reviewed Signs. Yeah. When you were like, oh, signs. it's silly. Yeah, it's you, had, you told me you had a lot... That gave you a movie gave you a lot of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. no, my... The that movie footage was... of the birthday party was so creepy. Yeah, well, the thing that really fucked me up was, like, when the little girl looks out her window and sees just a figure on the roof outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. That fucked me up. And, like, the fact that they can just, like, get in your room and fucking, like, it's just, oh, God. And then, like, the, the, the South Africa realized their weaknesses were wood well, and, and water. And they landed on a planet that was blue and green yeah. from space because of the wood and water. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, it's absolutely idiotic. But, like, I watched that movie when I was, like, I want to say, like, eight. Just fucked me up. The, uh, the gothest girl I've ever met who, like, was, uh, you know, in those, uh, stage showings of Repo, um, Oh, nice. Like, the, the first yeah. stage showings of Repo before anyone else started doing it, she was in that. And, uh, she was terrified by Mars Attacks. Ah. Yeah. Mars you Attacks it, has some genuinely dark bits, though. No, I was Especially scared of that, Especially when too. you're a kid. That is scary. I remember being Honestly, scared by parts of it. My dad showed it to me when I was really young. Like, I don't even remember. And, um, he showed it to me and he said I was fine for the entire movie. But it was when the lady bites the guy's finger off <laughs> and spits it in the fish tank. Suddenly... Started crying immediately. Oh, for me, it was, uh, I find Jack Nicholson very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I find uh, Michael J. Fox being vaporized very upsetting. That was, I, 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 uh, how, the reason I watched it was because I have every Michael J. Fox movie just sitting around my house. <laughs> and <laughs> my sister had like a huge crush on him in high school. So she just mm. like, I'm going to buy every movie he's in. So when I was bored, I'd just be like, I should watch a movie. And I'd look around and I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nothing but Michael J. Fox. Which, like, Back to the Future is my favorite movie now because of all the copies of it sitting around my yeah. uh, family house. But Did whew, you watch Family Ties? We watched a lot of Family Ties. Wow. <laughs> but sorry, what I was asking you, Allison, was 
in reviewing horror movies was addressing their silliness to weaken people's fears ever a, a, a goal or was that just kind of a something that wound up happening no well i mean like i don't always focus on on horror movies i think i got i got pretty lucky because um a lot of the people that started on that guy with the glasses would have their own niche that was usually a genre um right. and Phelan was reviewing a lot of horror movies and you know there are people that specifically just do nostalgic like Link- movies Linkara or... only reviews lamps lamps Linkara lamps, just yes. reviews lamps yeah and yeah. uh but I was lucky in that I don't really have a specific genre and so like if I did something different I wouldn't really get the same resistance as like you know yeah. Phelan when he as when started Phelan doing the first cartoons. started yeah now but, um, all anyone wants from him is the the mockbusters but yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. I was uh, voicing in a machinima for a man who used to like be like constantly talk about the new Phalus video and would complain <laughs> when he did stuff that wasn't horror. What? You know why I stopped? I was on a Phalus thing for mm-hmm. a while, and then I stopped because I was watching the Anastasia ripoff the day my dog died. And so, like, that kind of put me off because I associated it. So I didn't go back and finish did you it. Think, and then, did you think the review killed your dog? Or Yeah, I think I think Phelis's review was so bad, it Wait, killed my dog. Hey, can we, can we, can we get a, can, do you think you could hook us up with getting Phelan on this show so, so Haley can finally address this with him? Yeah, he I killed know. my dog. It's yeah, kind of fucked Allison, up. Listen, we need to we need to mention uh, we we are having a lot of fun with you, but your boyfriend did kill her dog. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a a point of contention I have. Um, it's uh, it's interesting that you guys bring up the horror thing though, because um, when I was little, I was scared of everything. And mm-hmm. like the show uh, When Animals Attack, I was scared when I watched Whoa. it. I was living in Phoenix, but I thought a bear was going to just break through my window and kill me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would get I would go to the video store and I would see the covers for these horror One movies. Desert I, bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bears are always in the desert. Um, yeah, so I would see these covers of these horror movies and I would be terrified of them. And I remember when things like Cry Wolf came out or like, mm-hmm. um, maybe ones that were not as well received as that <laughs> one, but like Wrong Turn. I remember watching Wrong Turn and it was scary. Um, but there was a lot of ones I wouldn't watch. And I, I, I always liked supernatural themed things. Like when I was little, my favorite show was a werewolf show called Big Wolf on Campus. Um, but that's not a particularly scary thing. Wait, wait. No, yeah, she's she's done videos on it, I believe. Okay. But um, yeah, Allison but, um, has just been watching schlock her whole life. Well, I mean that remarkable. that was before I started getting into the really so bad it's good stuff. I guess that was sort of a a, a gateway into that horror genre. Um, gateway like the actual stuff. God. Yeah, and um. So when I started dating Phelan, we we would watch the movies we were going to review together, and he did a lot of the, those horror movies that I thought were really scary. And when I watched them, I realized, like, they're not at all. A lot of them were just really bad horror movies that were made by studios as cheap cash-ins or whatever. Um, and it really helped me get over a lot of those that I, I thought would be scary, and it just turned out they weren't. What, what happened with me is, as a child, I was really afraid of getting nightmares. Like, I didn't want to get scared because then I knew I'd get a Mm. nightmare. I don't think I was afraid of anything else. So, like, I would not watch a movie, not as a kid. 
Really? Yeah. Your your one thing? My one thing. So I would avoid any movie that anyone had ever called scary because I was like, I don't like being scared. You mean you watched The Twilight Zone? Yeah. No, well, The Twilight (laughs) Zone actually did spook me when I finally, but that was more middle school. But like in elementary school, I watched Gremlins so many times after uh, Furby did the tie-in with Mugwise. (laughs) And I was like, oh man, this movie's great. This is so, so great. And then I refused to watch Monsters, Inc. Because Monsters are scary. I didn't watch Monsters, Inc. until I was an adult. <laughs> until I, I must have so been you were 18. Ready. I was insulted by Monsters, Inc. because it was the same plot as Little Monsters, which was my favorite movie as a kid. And I was like, oh, oh Little Monsters did it first. Wow. You're, you've just always been you. Yeah, well, That I, is true for most of us. I know, but I... I I, the way I would have imagined it is at some point she got into really Yeah, like in college or things. something. Yeah, like someone had introduced I, I, it to I her. I guess I just sort of like, I never really thought about it back then. I just knew I liked what I liked. <laughs> yeah. And now you look back at Little Monsters and Big Wolf on Campus and be like, oh, this is exactly like the stuff I watch now. <laughs> well, yeah, but those like, I wouldn't call those so bad it's good. Like they're cheesy no, right. parts for for sure, but there's like this genuineness to them. And I, I guess this goes back to a little bit what, what you guys were talking about before with like Emoji mo- Movie versus The Room. And that earnestness, honestly. When you will, said will emoji you... movie, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. When you said emoji movie, Haley had genuine PTSD in her eyes, <laughs> like you had just given her a flashback. And I'm like, oh wait, okay, Haley, it's okay. She's just, she's just continuing a conversation we had. Yes, it's true. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, earnestness oh. will will get you a long way with me and anything. Like is if you have the most ridiculous plot, as long as you are earnest about it, like I'm gonna follow you. And that's that's what it's like with a lot of these movies. Like Little Monsters is corny as hell, but there is this earnestness to it that uh, that really well, appealed to me as a kid. Like I I wanted to follow these characters, and I felt bad when they had to separate. And um, it was like that with with Big Wolf on Campus as well. And and that goes into the the so bad it's good movies because a lot of them, yeah, it is especially really short um, or really small productions, independent productions, a lot of them are just one guy or a group of people that just really want to make a movie. And and that doesn't always, it's not always successful, but um, I appreciate their passion. Yeah, you, appreciate, you appreciate people like genuineness. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I, and my I'm, my, I'm my favorite that. movie is, is Evil Dead 2. And yes. uh, my first experience watching a really hardcore horror movie before I I started dating Phelan or any of that was watching the first Evil Dead, and that was uh, just jumping into the deep end because that's a really gory movie and it's funny now, but back then I was so scared because it was just like well, it was so creepy and all of the the um, stop motion claymation and stuff and Evil Dead the first one was actually the movie that. Um, like broke me into uh horror movies because like when I was a kid I got really freaked out by everything remotely scary that mm-hmm. I saw so I avoided it for a really long time and then I saw Evil Dead with my brother because my dad had showed my brother and they were really into it and I was like I want to be a part of this and so I watched Evil Dead and it 
the goofiness and the sort of like, oh, this is just like, f- and I I knew beforehand that it was all filmed in like a gymnasium. With well, the like second just- one was. Oh, the oh the first one was actually filmed in the woods. I thought the second one was the one that was shot on location. And the first no, the one second was one gym. was in a gymnasium. The first one was in the shittiest cabin in Tennessee. <laughs> um, I've read uh, there's a an Evil Dead companion book that talks about this, and they he, Bruce Campbell talks about it in his autobiography too. And there's so many interesting stories like meeting locals and trying moonshine. Which is why um, <laughs> when they're driving, they're holding moonshine, and there's this whole scene that they cut out where, where the reason they're holding it is because they're drinking moonshine, but <laughs> y- you barely even notice that's what they're holding. But, like, that sort of, like, the the meta layer of, like, this is a movie that was made, and it's kind of goofy, and, like, the, the scene, because it was very spooky, up until the deer head turns and laughs at Bruce Campbell. That's that was the, the moment movie. I was like... That is the second movie. Okay, yeah. so then it was Evil Dead 2 so that then, I saw. Haley's like, I don't think I've seen Evil I Dead. I don't think I've seen Evil Dead. No, the, I saw well, this movie where like there was a laughing deer head and uh, well, it was Evil shot Dead in a gymnasium. Is basically, uh, basically is Evil Dead 1, but done remade. with a, a more professional crew and uh, more money. The first one, I mean, all of them are kind of like this, but the first one especially was a, a great story of friends who wanted to make a movie, you know, they would make a lot of like um, short movies when they were kids because they grew up together and right. they wanted to make the big, this big budget one. And they went around pitching the short mo- movie that they made called um, within the woods, I think is what it's called. And it's basically a proto evil dead and they would show it to people and they got a lot of funding from dentists <laughs> and what? ended up just um making this movie um all these behind the scenes stories are so fascinating like it's it's amazing they even came up with anything coherent or or popular um and that's that's not much different than the room or any of these other ones it's just they happen to come out with something that turned out a lot better you know but they they had uh-huh. the same idea well it's like and it's it's i think that's like the truth of like what what we want as audiences and that's the thing that the emoji movie didn't have and i'm going to restrain myself but it's it's the heart element of it and it's Mm -hmm. the thing that makes me feel like okay our movie that we're making is you know it's short it's crappy it was filmed on it like a handy cam with like a separate little like hand recorder for sound and it's like real like scrappy and like filmed for a shoestring budget and like it looks like it was made with the tools it was made with but like we made it and we put our heart and soul into it and that feels really good and I feel like that is what's going to shine through about it and that's that's comforting to hear you say that as like someone in your position someone who's you know perceived as an authority on bad things that can be (laughs) perceived as good Maybe our bad thing can be perceived as good. That's what I've been looking at it as the whole. Because yeah. when we first started writing it was when I was re-listening to the Disaster Artist. Yeah. And that's when I like stopped when we stressing first... out about the movie being bad. I'm like, oh, it's allowed to be bad. It's a movie. We're making a movie. And once it's done, it will be a movie we made. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the Disaster Artist as we started filming. And so, like, that... Because I had been recommending it to you throughout the whole writing process. And so, like, it wound up being... That's kind of the feel it has. It's just, like, hey, we made this thing. And so that's actually very comforting to hear. 
Is was this something that you guys just did as a, a purely fan project, or did you did you contact them? This this is about uh, the people who did Homestar Runner. Yeah, yeah. We there's been a little contact with like some of their friends. And, yeah, uh, the opening animation is done by their next door neighbor. Um, <laughs> as so, odd as that sounds, so it's like we're we're very much in their orbit, and they're also aware of it. They know of the movie. They haven't directly reached out to us. I think they're waiting to see it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think we handled their their likeness as well. Yeah, I was I was I was trying well, to trace one of the quotes that one of the scenes was based on. And uh, the the road trip scene, I wanted mm-hmm. to share it because I thought the music turned out good. And I wanted to post it with a quote from an interview that that scene was based on. And I realized that it was a Vox.com interview about the shorts they make for the Disney XD YouTube that the quote <laughs> was from. And I'm like, I did too much research. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but yeah, they. Um, I think it's going to be pretty pretty cool. But yeah, no, the whole thing was actually like, Charlie, since Charlie and I met, um, at a, uh, at a, at a comedy class, a sketch class. In yeah, New we York. were doing a Upright Citizens Brigade sketch writing class, um, and we just met that way, and then, you know, we started hanging out, and ever since we started hanging out under the guise of, like, comedy writing and realizing we loved a lot of the same movies, I was like, let's make a movie over and over. And, like, we came up with just the worst ideas, the worst of which... Oh, oh, okay, so at one point I was really exhausted from work and just didn't actually want to make a movie with her, so I, I knew she wouldn't take that for an answer. So I go, okay, so he's a mobster, but he's also a lobster. I was like, mobster lobster. <laughs> yeah, so that's Perfect. the movie we're making, Haley. And mobster. she goes, no, it's we're not. not. That's not the movie we're making, Charlie. I'm like, wait, but hear me out. Hear me out. You know how, like, mobsters are usually people? Yeah. <laughs> this one's a lobster. <laughs> I, I was starting to get genuinely angry, and then I just, like, decided to, like, yeah, become part it, of the bit. For a long time, when I was, like, uh, just too exhausted to actually start working on a project that big, I... Every time she talked about, let's make a movie, I would be like, so about this mobster lobster. <laughs> <laughs> to the point but where I was like actually worried we were going to wind up making the Allison, mobster lobster Allison, movie. Allison, if we made the mobster lobster movie, would you watch it? Sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, yeah, no, it was... When you, when you guys talk about um doing this uh, experimental film, experimental film, um... Mm-hmm. Or experimental movie? Is that what it's called? It's experimental film, and then the hashtag is hashtag experimental film movie. So it's <laughs> okay. a film movie. Okay, all right. <laughs> Shot on digital. A um, film movie. Shot on digital. Yeah. Well, when you guys do like a project like that, obviously you guys are big fans of these people. Um, mm. I found that regardless of your quality of something, uh, people see your passion when it's put into it and, and people appreciate it and they'll follow you. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Turn my volume up. <laughs> um, yeah. And I hope that carries and I think it will. Uh, I think ultimately it's a fan made movie and it has a lot of heart and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it goes anywhere, it's a start and we never, we don't have to ever say this is our first thing ever again. We don't have to make a first movie ever again, <laughs> so which is great, great because Mobster Lobster would have been a terrible <laughs> first movie, as our, but as a fifth movie, definitely mm. magnum opus. It'd be yeah. a great thing though. Like if you ever become super famous and people like go <laughs> digging for your old stuff, they're like, what was their first thing? Oh yeah. This thing called Mobster Lobster. <laughs> 
Yeah, it just like becomes uh, a cult classic. Listen, okay, we're there. not going to do Mobster Lobster until no, I Al- beg, no, I we're beg not going to, to do it. Charlie. We're not going to do it unless Allison agrees to be in it. <laughs> yeah, because I think, I mean, it's not. There's no way we can make a good movie with this concept. No, absolutely not. So, <laughs> I think that's your mo. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Give me a call. He's a lobster, making Mobster like, Lobster. I'll do it. He's All a, right. He's a lobster. You'll be his. You'll be his mall. <laughs> He's a lobster that got out of the mob so that he can run a, a restaurant. Right? Ooh, this is so good. <laughs> it's not. Mm-mm. It's bad. Let's stop brainstorming it. This is comedy it's poison. It's going to become the best movie of His all time. enemy is Buddy from Cake Boss. Yeah! <laughs> so it was Carlo's Bakery. That's what it was called. Carlo's. Was we did want to talk to you a little bit about Cake Boss. Oh, yeah. Because this was after we had our. This came out after we had already kind of talked about having you on the podcast. Right. And then you made just the jerseyest video. And we <laughs> we exaggerate our jerseyness on purpose. That's our favorite thing to do. Because it's what we are. I'm from North Jersey. She is from Central Jersey. Mm-hmm. And neither bada- of us are from South Jersey. Bada bing, bada boom. Mm. <laughs> but. No, I I think, honestly, the entrance to New Jersey should say, welcome to New Jersey, and then in quotes and, like, a fancy cursive, you can't arrest me, I'm the cake boss. <laughs> can't and then in a really small, really small subtext under that, it says, home of the New York Giants and the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, this came out not only when we were planning to interview you, but when we were planning a Jersey devil hunt. Sort yeah, of down scenario. Were you we were really? Go I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, no. no. oh god. So we got to tell you about this because okay. it is the type. Of, so you do those uh, uh, exploring abandoned houses videos with Phelan, which is decidedly Jersey. By <laughs> the way, I've done a few of them, but yeah, he's he's done a ton. <laughs> yeah, well, um, okay. So every street has an abandoned house on it in the Pine Barrens. Yes, and they're all. There was some statistic about, like, every five miles in the Pine Barrens. I, I assume that every five miles there's a spot that is allegedly haunted. haunted. We uh, didn't not believe statistic, it. but I'm just like, yeah. it's like no way is every... So, we went down just, there, it's, it should be every square inch. Yeah, it's like the people, the city planning people had only known what a town was because of viewing horror movies. Yeah. Like, every mansion is abandoned. Yeah, all the big houses are abandoned. There's and long stretches of woods, creepy statues, oh abandoned God. auto shops. There was abandoned auto shops that, like, the people who read, like, it looked like wrong turn. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was, ooh. <laughs> It was bad uh, times. It was the one of the worst things. The nearest restaurant to the Blue Hole. Uh, so uh, James Rolfe did his, uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd did his senior project called uh, Jersey Odyssey's Episode 1, Legend of the Blue Hole, which was about a guy looking for uh, inexplicably crystal clear pond in the mucky middle of the Pine Barrens. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it's a fantastic movie. Uh, f- a film movie that film James movie. Rolfe made. And uh, it kind of was what... It inspired me a lot, because like, I had made just silly little videos about you know games I liked, and then I watched you know what the guy best known for doing that uh, like could do. I mean, it's a senior... It's a college movie, and obviously like it's low budget, but like he works with it yeah. in a way that works... And anyway, so um, the nearest restaurant to the Blue Hole is called Mr. Bills. Mr. Bills, and it has a. Uh, it's uh, Alfred E. Newman's head from Mad Magazine stuck on a Paul Bunyan statue. statue. 
and um, they they underlight it every night in a way that <laughs> only that I can only compare to shining a flashlight over under your face to look creepy. Spooky, yeah. And so we passed by that in the daylight. Every single one of us pointed and screamed in unison. Um, I, we were unprompted. No, no. I just went, ah! <laughs> and uh, that was that. And then we found our way to this this place. Yeah, we found a, there's a, it's right across a river. I knew the bridge was out because it was out in, in the movie. In the movie, but uh, in the movie, they walk across it. Right, but there had just been a big rainstorm here. So Haley almost drowned. So I almost drowned. So I'm filming, and then you, you it's my perspective, first person of me filming. And then you just hear and her go, hear go, glub. Yeah, no, it's like, oh, it's getting deep. It's getting deeper. Oh, really deep. Okay, it's too deep, too deep. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I fell completely submerged into water, and we continued yeah. soaking but yeah, wet. So the area surrounding it, there's no wind for some reason. It was a windy day, but yeah, in this the one... the sand along the shores feels like kinetic sand. Yeah, there's about, like, a half foot of, of quicksand. quicksand. Like, so legit quicksand. There's no animal noises, but there are, like, hoof prints, which hoof is, prints. like... And uh, then, like... Obvious now why there's a myth of a Jersey devil, yeah. because... How else do you interpret that when surrounded by things like Mr. Bill? Yeah, and then, like, there are, like, inexplicably, like, charred tree trunks just sticking out of the ground. It felt like we were on the moon with the no animal noises and the no The wind wind. was still. It was terrifying. Hmm. And, um, yeah, and so we wound up wandering through the woods completely alone in the dark. Making a lot of... Cake boss jokes. Making so many cake boss jokes. Thank you for giving us. <laughs> yeah, because that, 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 that was that your... was the under the under like the underlying meta narrative of the whole thing was the Jersey Devil is now angry because the cake <laughs> boss insulted him by giving him a sexy ladle lady devil made of fondant and rice krispie treats that was broken and so he had sex with the lady devil and now there are a bunch of half cake fondant rice krispie treat half devil. Monsters running around. <laughs> they should have seen it coming. Damn that cake boss. <laughs> well, yeah. There's a curse, was... a curse upon the cake boss. <laughs> so I always thought the Jersey Devil stuff was kind of silly, but when I realized that like everything around there just looks bad, yeah, it's horrifying. Like, it's like, oh, of course you're gonna misinterpret a heron flying overhead as was that a monster? <laughs> it was a monster. I'm telling you. And we absolutely <laughs> did go to an area where there were a long series of hoof prints that just stopped and no animal noises. So I was like, oh, well, if that happens, of course there's a legend that there's a flying... Yeah, a wi- flying deer <laughs> thing. Like, obviously. Is, is the Jersey Devil, like, a, a prominent thing with you guys being from Jersey? Oh, yeah. yeah uh, it's more down there. I mean, like, up North Jersey, we're kind of like, oh, the Jersey Devil, booga booga. Yeah, we don't like people from South Jersey. But South Jersey people, we went, we stopped at Mr. Bill's afterwards so I could get a fresh t-shirt because I was soaking wet from the river. We tried, like, venting to the lady about how creepy the Mr. Bill statue was, and and she she just did not understand. No, she was like, oh, we can turn the light on. And then they turn the light on, and it's it's even scarier. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, oh, these locals don't. Uh, growing up around here makes you not understand what scary is. Yeah. They must watch horror movies and be like, yeah. wow, this movie's slow. Yeah. Why are they walking around so slow? I don't get it. And then, like, yeah, but then, like, we were talking to them, and then her husband was like, oh, I seen the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Slow <laughs> over my car. Maybe it was a pterodactyl. I don't know. And then we met a man at uh, the local convenience store who definitely died. He was a, definitely a ghost man, is the thing. Because he described he like, it. We, we were like, hey, have you ever been to the Blue Hole? And he says, yeah. He describes swimming, as if he's actually remembering it. Not swimming as if he, to the bottom, 
going waist deep in, in quicksand, quicksand and then somehow swimming swimming in. back to the surface. We so drove the, like uh, like a good mile and a half down the road just questioning. We were like, could you get out of that? Was Is that possible? And we were like, no. So we're the only two conclusions <laughs> we could come to are either that that was a ghost or that he had just tripped in the shallow end and was too high to interpret it correctly. Yeah. The only two things that could have happened. Yeah. Was either he sat down in the shallow end and thought he was deep and like was too high to realize it or that was a ghost and we're also dead. We might be dead. I'm sorry I, for letting you know this. You might be this podcast isn't going to go live because we're not live. Oh, uh, I see. I'm stuck yeah, in one dead. of those horror movies, am I? Yes. Yeah, You're yeah, yeah. This is a ghost pod. Po- Snubdub hasn't broadcast for 17 years! <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it is a big thing around uh, Jersey. In uh, the best of Snubdub, we kind of like make an offhand. Well, one of we killed off one of the goofy ca- bit characters that comes on. A couple of them actually. We've, we have a quite a death. We have out. a body count on this podcast, yeah. but we killed off this character called Sherlock Blooms and we're like, but the local teens say he's haunting the abandoned church factory. And then our friend who is not from Jersey is like, "Oh, is that what teens talk about? Which what places nearby are haunted?" And Haley and I being Just from go. New Jersey like, yeah, "Yes." Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do they not around you? Like I have it's literally like right around here somewhere. I have a weird NJ book just sitting on the ground. Yeah. Um, that. Go on, Allison. I was just laughing. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's just like that's just kind of the culture here is like hanging out, complaining about shit, and then exploring the most haunted places within a half mile radius. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I always found the Jersey Devil story really creepy when I was younger because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys re- remember this, but uh, ABC Family, back when it was Fox Family uh, still, I think, they used to do, around Halloween, like the 13 days of Halloween, um, they used oh, to yeah. do this show called Real Scary Stories. I remember that. And I think, I, there was one that was hosted by Zelda Rubenstein, and I don't remember if it was that one or another one, but whichever one was the one that had Zelda Rubenstein, I remember there was a a bit that they talked about the Jersey devil. And that was the first time I'd heard of it. Uh And um, I just remember being so spooked. They had like, they were, they were talking to a cop who was like, yeah. And then I heard the sounds of two hooves on the cement outside. And then the sounds of wings. And to me, that was like, Oh, that's so scary. And I don't like wild animals. Yeah. And I think when I was older, I, I looked up on YouTube, this clip, and it was the dumbest thing. Like, it was yeah. like a bunch of kids like, yeah, I saw the Jersey Devil. And they're like walking out in the woods and then they're shaking the tree and the dog's barking they're like, oh, no, it's the Jersey Devil. I'm thinking in my head like, oh, man, kid me was such a wiener. Like, what? <laughs> this is scary. Here's, no, well, if you ever actually went uh, to the Pine Barrens, uh, and I'd recommend it if you like spookums. If you want to make some good content, yeah, like you and Phil, I'm the go biggest on a wiener adventure. though, like in real life with this stuff, because like oh. if, if it's like actually haunted, I mean, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> it's fucking, it's so haunted. But here's exactly what what Jersey culture is in that. I learned about the Jersey Devil in school. Yeah, was like, we learned about it in that's school. A, that's something <laughs> what? that's just what? part of the curriculum it's in elementary school. Straight up school. public school. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, so let's yeah, talk school. about the Jersey Devil. That was one Devil. of the only years I was in public school, and yeah, they just yeah, 
it's actually they actually on like it's usually around Halloween too, so like it makes sense. But they're like, let's talk about folklore. For me, we had a I think we had a class about like folklore? New Jersey history. Oh yeah, I had that. See, I, I remember even... I had to go around and like take rubbings of plaques and shit around town. See, I would have liked oh. to have a class where we talked about like legends and cryptozoology, but we just talked about like facts. Legends, crypto, what now? No, we're talking about facts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, my uncle told me this, and I don't know the truth to it, but the actual story of the Jersey Devil is that uh, Mr. Leeds, you know, the 13th child of Mrs. Leeds or whatever, this right. gentleman actually, uh, in the real life, what happened was he ran a newspaper and he tried to slander someone else's newspaper. Charles Foster Kane. No, but that would have been good. <laughs> I think it was like Ben Franklin or what, or Thomas Jefferson or something. Like one of them ran a, a publication. I feel like if, if anyone, it would be like Thomas Edison. No, I think it was he was a big enough dick to curse somebody. But anyway, yeah, no. So he, so he slanders uh, whoever's newspaper, and like is like, hey, this and this and this about their newspaper, and they're like, oh yeah, well the guy who runs his newspaper is dead, and then. Uh, Mr. Leeds was like, hey, so I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not dead. A ghost! And yet he was like, <laughs> all I know is, at some point, he was dead. So he's a witch devil, man. And so that's where my, my Uncle Kit tells me uh, that the, 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 the legend originally comes from. And then people just were really spooked by that, even though it's just an obvious attempt to cover his tracks. And it just turned into like this this local mythos. That's hilarious. People in old that's timey some, like, times were so gullible. So it's dumb. such shady Jersey <laughs> shit, Except, though. Like, even yeah, in the that's past. that's the only reason I believe it. Like, my Uncle Kid is kind of full of shit, so I don't but know. Like, yeah, no, but that's just, like, so shady, like, Jersey bullshit. Like, oh, well, this guy, he's dead. Yeah, I'm not dead. Like... Oh, he's a ghost! <laughs> <laughs> like... Whoops! Guess we'd eat the bird at the steak! But like, I can't be dead, I'm the cake boss! <laughs> and it was the cake boss all along. The cake boss was the Jersey Devil. Why That's why cake we boss. Much about not the Jersey Devil. Speaking of cake boss, we need to take another commercial break. We do need to take another commercial break. Alright. Sugar, sugar! Oh, honey, honey! I'm the cake boss! Do you like cakes? You are my candy girl. Well, I got them. Hey, you, lady, you want a cake? Oh, I love a cake. Well, good, because I got all of them. I'm the boss of cakes. Hey, cake, go over there. They okay. have to listen. I'm sorry, I'm going over See, there. See, he has to listen to me because I'm the boss of him. And it's so affordable. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, only $1,700. It's a three-layer cake. I got three of them. That's uh, how much for each layer. I'm not too good at math. I'm a cake. That's true. I love that it's got so much Rice Krispies in it. It's mostly Rice Krispies. There's yeah. only a, th a thin layer hey. of cake. <laughs> I don't make fun of what you's made of, all right? Yeah. Eh. Eh. Hey, listen. If you want more cakes, come on down. Cakeboss.com. Cakes slash cake. We're in Hoboken, I think, probably. I think, we're in Ho I think we might be in Hoboken. Hoboken is only a mile long. How you gonna, how you gonna fit all that cake? I got a mile of cake. A mile of cake? I got a oh! mile of cake. Hey! Hey! Oh! Dial 1-800-A-CAKE. This summer, 
the feel-good comedy of the year, Mobster Lobster. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lobster, but I'm also a mobster. <laughs> His girlfriend, Clarissa, was one day walking down the street, and she saw her, her beautiful lobster husband released from jail. I've been missing you for so long, Lobster. I'm the same lady from the cake, boss. <laughs> That's okay. I am probably also the cake from the previous commercial. <laughs> we only the got two... so many Jersey accents. Actually, I got more. I just got lazy. I'm the Mobster Lobster. The two of them found a love that would last the ages. I love you even though I'm a lobster. And that makes a relationship rather difficult in many ways. Our relationship is so steamy. <laughs> many bad puns were made, and many jokes were had, but everything changed when the mob came back. Hey, you's guys! Oh no! It's the guy who was the cake boss in the last commercial! Except this time I'm slightly more gruff! Ah! Come on, Jimmy! We need to get this mook popped! Just when I thought I was out, they keep dragging me back in. I'm the Mobster Lobster! Rated R. I'm not gonna watch that, you're right. Haley <laughs> 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 was right initially. I think that's got something going. That's the pitch right there. That's the pitch. We're gonna send that to Fox Searchlight Pictures. <laughs> well, if you talk to a lot of dentists, they might fund it for you. They might fund or it. Or wasn't wasn't um Manos the Hands of Fate funded by what was it? Like manure salesman or something? The guy who made it was a fertilizer salesman, yeah. <laughs> so he so, sold shit. Yeah. Good. Good. So and then shit, he sold shit. So a shit man made a shit movie to give to shit people. You know that that camera that he used could only film 30 seconds at a time? <laughs> that's real. That's, use, what, that's what he used. Did he use a home video camera? I think. I mean, he used something that was film because they recently restored it on Blu-ray. It looks gorgeous, uh, oh. but... Uh, oh, it, it looks... Does it look gorgeous? It does. They found, they restored it. Um, Haley, this can whole... we get the Blu-ray of Manos, The Hands of Fate? Only if you're a good boy. Okay. Do uh, I think do there's I... a, a commentary on it, too, by the, the guy who played Manos and his daughter. Wait, seriously? Usually for those type of movies, they seeing as, like... A lot of those people aren't alive anymore, and the reputation it has. Like I know on uh, on uh, Plan Nine, I think it's Mike Nelson doing the commentary track. Well, because Mano's Hands of Fate has got such a cult following, like they've really embraced it. Like it, it's interesting how a lot of these filmmakers from uh, mystery science theater movies, you know, things that got unearthed and get followings later. It's interesting how different reactions that people have to it um but the manos people really liked it um the guy who made it the fertilizer salesman he's not alive anymore but the little girl from it the poop smith the poop smith from it directed um, written and directed by the poop smith (laughs) the the little girl i think she was named debbie or something she's still alive because she was really young and and her father is still alive he was the guy who played manos so uh they both did a commentary on it that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, like, they people really embraced it, and it was really a, a, a labor of love restoring it. Like, I was following, there was a, a blog where the guy who found the original print of it, uh, where he was talking about the process of doing that. Uh, and Torgo's knees 
Delicious. Some beautiful knees. <laughs> A solid set of His knees. His theme, I think, is my favorite part. Can you sing it for us? <laughs> then you gotta walk very slowly to that. Uh -huh. Oh, geez. Shutting your knees out exageratedly. Now, a master um, would not approve. <laughs> one thing I wanted to talk to you about for sure is um, the work of yours that I'm most familiar with and one of my favorite series of all time on YouTube, and that's saying a lot, uh, is Baywatching. I do oh, want to touch you. on this. I think it is... An opus. It is phenomenal. It is like the way you step into characters and like gradually develop this sort of arching meta narrative of like <laughs> just like Mitch's relationship to the Hobie and then Hobie 2.0 and later Hobie 3. <laughs> uh, well, there, there's no Hobie 3. Well, but Hobie he'll always three. threaten him with a Hobie 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I, I it's think. It's weird because like I've never. I don't know. I've never seen Baywatch discussed in that way. Like, you Wait, really... there are three Hobies. There was the Hobie in the first one, in the pilot movie, the movie Hobie. And then there's... that's Hobie Zero. That's okay. That's Hobie Zero. Okay, that makes sense. No, but yeah, it's it's, no, it's the, very... it was no the one in the movie was the one from season one that was Brandon Call. Oh, I it was the got... same kid. He just didn't have a mullet. Oh no, I th <laughs> I'm mistaking. They changed his age for the series. They did. They de-aged him by one right. year, and then when he became the second Hobie, I mean, he became 10 years old again, and then possibly 12. Wait, well, but isn't that just what growing a mullet does to you, though? Yes. It de-ages you? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the... Uh, I, I'm i a huge fan of the whole thing. All the, all the characters, all the character voices. And then just sort of, like, these weird, like, meta jokes of just, like, Am I a character yet? No. Okay. <laughs> well, like Jill, Jill was useless. Jill was Jill never... didn't do anything until she got eaten by a shark. <laughs> that was hilarious. The first time we saw that, we were laughing our asses off at, at her dying by the shark. Now, so you... good. There, there's another like uh, big Baywatch death that is also very hilarious. That uh, I think I've spoiled <laughs> some other stuff, but I won't spoil it for you now. But, do uh... you? Okay. So do you make? Um... Do you make these as you watch them, or have you seen the entire thing, and then you're going back and making them again? Or I've seen the whole episode? thing. Oh, okay. I, I watched it all in the streams, which is why um, where a lot of the jokes come from. But, right. you know, the further that I get into it and the longer I've been doing it, the less familiar I am with the stuff because it's been a few years since I watched them. I'm not going to retain all the Baywatch plots. But... um it's interesting, like, um, I, I've never really considered myself someone with, like, a big character range, and uh, and this has really helped me, honestly, doing yeah, day watching I... to develop this stuff, because when I started, I only had, like, two girl voices, and uh, and I started just taking a basic character trait from whoever I'm voicing and just e exaggerating it, and, and it became sort of its own thing. It's been a lot of fun. It's It's my favorite one to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just like, I was just watching the one where um, Eddie gets accused of statutory rape by the like fifteen-year-old oh, girl. God. Oh, that's then, good stuff. That's great <laughs> stuff. And then like the voice, I I noticed that your your character range was starting to grow when you did the the voice for the the girl, the fifteen-year-old girl. You were like doing like a valley girl voice, 
and like oh, I was oh the like, valley oh, girl a... voice i always could do but i was saving it because i knew there was a lot of characters coming up right <laughs> and i was like well that it, it was it was a moment for i was like oh that's a new character oh that's a new it's a new voice good i like but then like mitch and then hobie and then fucking the death stare of craig and oh yeah creepy parker stevenson <laughs> just so good um but uh, I understand that you actually, you 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 outsource Eddie's voice uh, to your your roommate, who is actually just Eddie, who lives with you. And I was wondering if we could speak to Eddie because we have actually in the studio with us here. Oh, we have right. We have, we Sam, do have Winchester. Sam Winchester here, and he does want to meet Eddie. Yeah, I feel like okay. they have a lot in common. What an odd couple, but sure. Right. <laughs> Hello. Eddie. commission a painting of my i think one of my favorite one of my favorite eddie bits was like it was like just a still frame of him as a newborn breastfeeding he's like thanks mom ow the milk got in my eye (laughs) (laughs) that was like a picture of like um kate middleton i think (laughs) it's like yeah oh man he's such a child it's no, it's those, it's those like those like little like punctuation disasters that happen to Eddie when you do the voice. <laughs> Ow, I fell. Uh, seagull poked my brain. <laughs> I got sand in my shorts. Uh, this phone is shiny. <laughs> I uh, love doing. There was the that clip show that they did uh, called the Chamber, which was one of their laziest <laughs> clip shows because it is just Mitch in a. Um, I don't know, whatever those chambers are, decompression (laughs) chamber, Um, and just a bunch of clips from the show, and I was like, how am I going to summarize this? This is so boring. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I got the perfect material, so I I asked people on Twitter, just come up with various ways of Eddie hurting himself, and just photoshopped all (laughs) of these. I haven't haven't watched Baywatching in so long, I'm sorry, but I do remember that one was fantastic. Oh, it's so good. We're just... There's like 20 different ways that Eddie hurt himself. and They kept uh. coming up with really elaborate things, too. I'm like, how am I going to do this one? <laughs> I remember there was like, there's so there's a few that just like kill me. Like the, ew, this phone is sticky. Like that killed me. <laughs> and then like 
when Eddie gets stabbed just straight in the chest by by Hector the Collector yeah. just floored me. Because, like, at that point, I was so invested in Eddie getting hurt. Like, I haven't I think... even seen the show, like, actually. I've only... My only exposure to Baywatch is through you. And so, I think like... My, uh, my favorite unfortunate Eddie moment just from the actual show was the guy we dubbed the Night Puncher. Yes, Night <laughs> He just goes around punching people and inconveniencing them and just runs up and punches Eddie just straight into the water. The knife. (laughs) And then his brother, the knife puncher. (laughs) Yeah, the knife puncher. Oh my god. Such a wonderful... It's a masterpiece. You'll be uh, be happy to know Eddie does come back for an episode in Baywatch Nights. Yes! And he's in the uh, the reunion movie as well. So you said you're reviewing, uh, or would you call those reviews? They're more like dramatic reinterpretations. <laughs> They're kind of like half informative, half dubbing, because like I like doing the riffs and the kind of recaps, but there are so many like fascinating behind the scenes stories, and it's it's one of those really esoteric things like behind the scenes Baywatch information that I just <laughs> like digging into and telling people about. But you said you're you're getting to your favorite episode soon. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, the Runaways. the The Runaways is uh, well. Right now, I'm uh, I'm actually going to work on that after this interview. Um, I'm working on the the Baywatch reboot movie, um, because I just want to be timely with that. <laughs> so I'm awesome. going to be talking about that. Um, and then it'll go to the the Baywatching 100th episode, which is the 100th one that I've made. And uh, and then after that, it'll be the Runaways, which I think was the 100th episode of Baywatch filmed. Um. It was it was my first exposure to real Baywatch, I think, because um, like I was saying before, it had an actor in it that I liked and I, I'd seen Baywatch Nights, which is very confusing. It's a conf- <laughs> it's a confusing show, regardless of context, um, which it doesn't have much. Um, but I'd seen that and I hadn't seen Baywatch proper because I thought it would just be boring. I was like, I don't know how much like slow motion on the beach I, I want to watch. Um, but I saw the Runaways, and that sold me. This episode is hilarious. Um, it's yep. about a bunch of Dickensian orphans <laughs> who are like, well, they're, they're runaways, but, but like, they're basically got a bunch of smudges and like old tiny outfits <laughs> and on, and please, they're sir, like, can I have some more? Yeah, they basically do that. Um, they run away. There, there's a bunch of that, but there's one particular runaway that um, Mitch decides to help with. Uh, this British singer who has come there because there's a lot of like celebrity cameos in this one, which right. is another reason I think it's the 100th episode because uh, uh-huh. Richard Branson is in it <laughs> and he has like a giant blimp for like virgin cola that's just floating through the whole episode what? and he's there and he's talking to like um, Gloria something the, the woman who did Midnight Train to Georgia. Um, she's oh, there yeah, yeah. on a video phone. Um, oh. And she, yeah, he's got his phone. fancy video phone. And for some reason, um, little Richard is there working at the Sandy K cafe <laughs> as a character who is not little Richard, but speaks in little Richard song titles. So he'll be <laughs> like, good golly, Miss Molly. And you're oh like, why, why is he here? What is going on? And there's this what? British singer who Richard Branson was trying to promote at the time who comes in and she's just doing random music videos to promote her stuff. And okay, so in these ridiculous outfits. 
And so she and Mitch decide they're going to help this one girl who's like a runaway. And uh, so they go into this music video. All of a sudden, David Hasselhoff, like Mitch becomes David Hasselhoff. And it's him and her singing around these burning barrels what? to these orphans who are running around by these burning barrels. And they're all the wearing black. And, yeah, I have like what? a... What? Yeah, I have a clip of it in the intro, and it's like David Hasselhoff with this black shirt by this burning barrel, like, with his hand, like, ooh, the emotion, because he's got to sing about how hard the, the, that these runaways have it. It's that's a hard knock life. That's amazing. Also, yeah, uh, I love perfect that little side note, um, it's Gladys Knight saying Gladys uh, Knight, that's what And yeah. the full and the band pips. title? To tie in with the Dickensian thing is Gladys Knight and the Pips. <laughs> yes, Gladys Knight and the Pips. That's right. She and doesn't sing anything in this episode, by the way. She's just on a video phone for two seconds. Wow, that's and like just... it. I think it ends with like Little Richard playing on a Baywatch labeled piano while everyone like oh the Baywatch just, like piano. dances right. to the, Tutti Frutti the or flotation something. piano. It's the it's the rescue piano. Yeah, when, yeah. It literally just has their logo on to it to pay taps. <laughs> When most people on. make fun of Baywatch, it's just like, oh, they run in slow motion. But, like, you are deep in, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't oh, think... man, there's so much more to it than it, the slow oh. motion. I don't think I realized I knew nothing about well, Baywatch my favorite thing until is, I watched your My videos. favorite thing is you cut out the slow motion, because it's not, like, interesting. And so you're just, like, you just, like, mention offhandedly, you're like, and slow motion running happens, and then the, then the actual plot is... A hundred percent more ridiculous than anything else anyone's ever said, and I yeah, think it's well, because I mean, you're coming out of a, at it from a point of view that's not like, oh, boobs. Hey, look at these boobs yeah, over here. I mean, there's there's certainly that element. Wait, are you to implying it, like, that Baywatch was made just for the the jiggle aspect? The boobs, <laughs> the big bouncing boobies. How dare you simplify such big, a masterpiece like that? Big bouncing boobies. But then, like the really interesting behind the scenes shit, like you're saying, like with uh, with Eddie and Shawnee in real life, and how he's like weird and possessive over her. Oh yeah, yeah. And, like, their relationship definitely. You could see the influence of it on the show itself. It's just so fascinating. And I yeah, just, and like, I love when they would incorporate things from real life into it. You know, they would be like, David Hasselhoff has fantasies about David Hasselhoff concerts. You know, like, what if Mitch was what? a singer? And then you imagine that. <laughs> yeah. or, or Jeremy Jackson's failed music career. Or, or what if at, at Mitch was a they... bad actor? <laughs> like, what if I was yeah. a bad actor? What if I was a bad actor? David Hasselhoff. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, David Hasselhoff, um, as corny as he is, I've seen him in things where he is good. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, it, they do have some some talented people. There's some people that can't act for beans. Like, um, <laughs> Kelly Slater, I think, was my favorite. I When I did the streams, I didn't even realize how bad he was because we were talking over a lot of it. But but actually watching it, Kelly Slater trying to act was hilarious. Who was, who was Kelly Slater again? He was, he was Jimmy Slade. Oh, okay. Summer's surfer boyfriend who did yeah, not yeah. want to be an actor. Who's uh, Summer? You're my bud. <laughs> Stealing my surfboard. Where he just wanted to be written out of the court. show. He he hated doing Baywatch. It was so funny. Uh, that's beautiful. How did you hate doing Baywatch? And how many fucking seasons did that show have? It was eleven plus two seasons of Baywatch Nights. 
It was 11, yeah. And, you know, you were talking about, like, the, the boob aspect of the show. And certainly that is there. I mean, it is a very cheesecake show. But I I never found it offensively sexist, except yeah. for one episode in in Hawaii. And that's when it starts getting really bad. Like, Hawaii is going to be really tough to cover, because Baywatch Hawaii is pretty abysmal. Um, well, is, that, is that when Pam Anderson comes into the show? No, she's a, she's joined the show in season three. Oh, okay, cool. She, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still catching up. Is the thing. <laughs> she joined in season three, and she left in season seven. Um, Hawaii is the last two seasons, and David Hasselhoff is not there very much in the first Hawaii season, and then he's just gone, and it's it's kind of boring a lot of the time. But um, they had an episode that was all about the girls not feeling feminine enough because of their job. And it basically oh. is it, just concluded with like the, the, the uh, Mitch replacement character, Sean, just basically everything short of tapping them on the ass and going, good job, babes. And that's wow. really, yeah, that's, that's sort of the conclusion of that one. So that was, that's the only time I ever felt it was, it was offensively sexist. Jeez. Yeah, I'll, I'll be Wacky talking about racers, that. Wacky racers, that's bad. Years. Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics, that is not okay. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, there's so much material that is just really funny oh, and bad. Yeah. Like, uh, I love the one where um, Giant Gonzalez is a misunderstood giant who carves pelicans. And Hobie's gotta, <laughs> gotta help him escape his abusive freak show handler or whatever. Like, how the fuck? fuck did they make 11 seasons by making that by Why making things that? like that that's i think brilliant. that's exactly it they yeah, made they, things they like have that. one they later things like that they, they have one later like... that involves wrestlers that that's really funny too that's coming up in season six where uh it had hulk hogan and randy savage oh from the what intro. whoa whoa yeah. macho man wait it, yeah he, he was bone saw and... Yeah, the they have him Rainbow and they Sage. have Ric Flair and the Dungeon of Doom. <gasps> the Nature Boy? Uh-huh. Oh my god. Holy and shit. this is a uh, a tie-in with a pay-per-view they were doing at the time called Bash at the Beach. And they call the episode Bash at the Beach. And this is one of those things where like kayfabe doesn't exist because it's real i guess or, or okay. kayfabe is the only thing i guess because everyone the wrestlers are just their personas and yeah yeah the uh, hulk hogan and randy savage have to team up against rick flair in the dungeon of doom to save this rec center oh, God, that's amazing <laughs> that sounds like the best thing i've never watched yeah it, it was really like, funny i can't even because i oh my god i i don't have words for how much i love the macho man randy savage um <laughs> He's my favorite person. He You've started, seen the, He created Spider-Man. Yeah, have you ever seen um, the cream of the crop clip? Where no. Where Macho Man is... It's one of the promo videos where he's just like, Oh, yeah! I'm gonna take Hulk Hogan and I'm gonna take the crown back because I am the heavyweight. Like, just, like, really into it. But all the while, he's saying... Oh, cause the cream rises to the top, I have and he seen that one. and he starts pulling out little like creamers from his gigantic <laughs> hand, like doing full sleight of hand, and he keeps pulling them out. There's like seven, and he's tucking them into the announcer's like jacket pocket, and he balances it on his head, and he's like, "I might be off balance, but I'm still gonna win, cause the cream rises to the top." And he says the greatest line ever uttered. By anyone on cocaine of all time, which was, I'm living in a nightmare, yeah. 
And I am the cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something so our good. friend in the 80s would say. I want that t-shirt so badly. I'm living in a nightmare. And you, I am the cream. You can get a custom t-shirt like, for like five bucks. Like maybe the they've referenced it. this on, on OSW reviews before because that's a lot of where my... 80s 90s wrestling, wrestling knowledge comes yeah. from is is watching uh old school wrestling reviews because those guys are, are super funny Re- old school wrestling is probably my i just i have a passion for it every once in a while i fall down a rabbit hole of like old wrestling videos and i'm like what am i doing like and i'm like <laughs> oh i'm enjoying my life that's what i'm doing <laughs> oh man have you ever probably not have you ever watched thunder in paradise the show no the one that Hulk Hogan starred in? No. <laughs> oh god. Do, do you what? know what I'm talking about? I've I've heard the title before, but I but... I've done um I've done videos on the uh the movies which were just two-part episodes that they released, but I I finally did get to watch the actual show in English. And uh, it is if you think Baywatch is stupid, it's Thunder in Paradise is Baywatch stupid times 10. It is so ridiculous. And it's got a lot of wrestlers that, that would show up. And oh, uh, it's so funny. And it's about uh, Hulk Hogan and his... It's basically Night Boat. It's a super-powered boat. <laughs> and it's Night Boat, but for real. And they have an episode... One of the recurring villains is, is Sting. As, um, before he was the crow persona, he still got the blonde hair and everything. And I forget what his character's oh, no. named, but it was probably Stingray or something. And uh, I remember there's one episode where <laughs> there is an underwater prison that okay. Hulk Hogan has to go undercover in what? for absolutely okay. no reason. And Sting is there, and they call this underwater prison C. Quentin. And he, Hulk Hogan goes undercover there, like, they try to fake you out, like, oh no, what, what has he been arrested for? Why is he in this underwater prison? And then, like, he goes, like, haha, good work, guards, and then it turns out he was in league with them. But this is before any Uh, of the other prisoners show up, that he breaks his cover and stops. So this is literally just for the benefit of no one. Oh, oh my god. god. I haven't seen that. I've seen Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling starring Brad Garrett as Hulk Hogan. What? There's a deep Oh, that's cartoon. the cartoon? Yeah. And right. It, okay. And has, well, that's got Roddy Piper as the villain, right? Yeah, and it has uh, someone else voicing Captain Lou Albano right before Deke got him to voice Mario. So it's like... Weird, because it's Captain Lou Albano in a Deke cartoon, but it's not Mario and it's not Captain Lou Albano. Wow. <laughs> That's so good. Wrestling I saw is the greatest show on television. Just to see the Roddy Piper bits, because that, that's so funny. I love Roddy Piper. <laughs> I, Brad Garrett does a weirdly good Hulk Hogan impression. Yeah, well, Hulk I guess I could got, see that. I never thought about that, but Hulk I, I could definitely Hogan's got like. See. A weirdly easily imitatable like voice. It's the ones who like really develop their like. This is why I'm always I've always been for Macho Man over Hulk because the Hulk the Hulk Hogan is is not he's not They've good. Got, like a similar voice, but Hulk just speaks very soft and like. Well, Hulk is like much more gruff and mm-hmm, like but, much more rattly. Yeah. Whereas Macho that's Man. That's why more, he like, made a great CD with the, all the music. His angelic oh yeah. Voice. With this angelic, <laughs> <laughs> but 
<laughs> but have you ever heard M- McGruff the Crime Dogs album? <laughs> don't even. Don't even <laughs> Is that really? real? Is there yes! a McGruff? The McGruff the Crime Dog released an album, and there was like oh, man. a song about not doing drugs that <laughs> sounds like it's about doing drugs. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, that sounds hilarious. I Whoa. love, like, horribly misguided Wait, can, can you look music up, numbers can like you that. you look this up now, Haley, on your phone? Oh, okay. What? <laughs> the crowd. Like, yeah. there was that, um, that, uh, Freddy Krueger album that they did. <laughs> where oh, yeah, said, the rap where he raps? Yeah, they had the song Do the Freddy. A lot of it is, like other people singing that's like this woman group that i they had some name for them but every once in a while they the freddy impersonator would like come in <laughs> and it was always bizarre like he would say something weird or just make noises that did not fit and they had the do the freddy song and they'd be like do the freddy ah! do the freddy <laughs> and like he would just be screaming for no reason like what are you doing freddy Okay, you're better so, than this. All right, so <laughs> Nightmare Fetty might have been then instead. I now have Julio's loafers back. I now have this song queued up. So we're about to experience McGruff the Crime Dog's song, Cocaine, Cocaine and, and Crack. Crack. From what's the album title? Do you see? Um, that? Smart Cocaine Kids. Cocaine and Crack. Cocaine Ma- and Crack by McGruff the Crime Dog. Off oh, of right. McGruff's Smart Kids album. <laughs> What a lovely voice. What? <laughs> what a lovely voice. What? <laughs> that was amazing. The best part is it seems like it's directly addressing. Using cocaine, crack and cocaine to Wait, get high. But my favorite part is it's, it's, the, it's from the perspective of McGruff talking to crack and cocaine addicts as if they'd buy this fucking album. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so, I was wow. at rock bottom, but then McGruff taught Jeez. me about the dangers. That was the <laughs> album he made so he could buy crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I, I gotta talk about this uh, in in while we're in this call, because why not? I bring it up as often as possible. I gotta Go talk about it. Quantum Leap's ABC rap. Oh? <laughs> I know the ABC rap! That's from... Char- uh, yeah, Charlie that, knows it. Yes, that's from... Um, the episode in which uh, Sam leaps into, like, a, was it a mental institution or something? Well, he does, it, and he gets shock treatment. Right. It's, and called, he keeps it's called bring, shock theater. Shock, uh, yeah, and he okay. keeps bringing back his previous uh, leap mm-hmm. leapers. Uh, he okay, keeps bringing so back his previous personas. Please, please enlighten me as the uninitiated here. Okay, well, I gotta um, explain explain this to to Haley here because I love th- yeah. Shock Theater is my absolute favorite episode, and um, number one because it is really good, but also the ABC rap has a lot to do with it. Um, okay, 
Shock Theater is uh, the end of season three, and it is where he leaps into a mental institution. He gets shock treatment, and this messes him up so he's he doesn't know who he is he just keeps becoming different people that he's leaped into and um al has got to try and convince sam that he's sam and and save him and so a lot of it has to do with their relationship and and al bringing him back and it's very dramatic and it's very sad you know because like (laughs) sam doesn't recognize him and they go into a little bit of their backstory and stuff like that but there's Um, also like someone in the institution who's like illiterate or something and al has to teach him to read yeah, he's got to teach this kid in the institution. This is the reason Sam initially leaped, um, but now Al's got to help him out. And the reason that he leaped is to help him get him out of this institution, because this is like the 50s, and so it's they're not treating people particularly well. And uh, this kid, one of the reasons, like, I think... I think he gets out of the institution and he ends up homeless, and that's what they have to help him with. And they think they can stop this if they teach him how to read. So, so the hand link so, with Ziggy is capable of just dropping some sick beats, apparently. Okay. Yeah, well, they, no, because Al says specifically, he goes, Hey, Sam, you remember when we were working on this? We were fiddling around with a rap song. <laughs> As if... <laughs> In canon, in canon, this quantum physicist, Nobel Prize winning quantum physicist, Sam Beckett, while building his time machine with Along his with best Admiral, friend, Admiral, Admiral Al Calavici, who served in the they war. They are messing with a rap song, which, by the way, Al specifically mentions Sam does not like rap, so I have no idea. <laughs> so no Al was just why. fucking with him. <laughs> I have no idea why they have a rap song on there. But um, they do. And so he teaches this kid, uh, I, I forget his name, Sibby maybe. He teaches him the ABC rap. And so oh. it is Dean Stockwell rapping the ABCs. All right. I don't, Hilarious. Do you remember the words, Allison? Oh, hell yeah, I remember the ABC I, okay, rap. You start, you start off, and I think I'm going to remember if you bring me back, because it's been a while. So there's a version of it on the soundtrack that's even that's in the in the show it's played straight sort of as much as that concept can in the soundtrack there's like kids singing along excitedly that's, in the that background. is the the prat pack wow. by the way it's <laughs> the kids there's a picture of them on the soundtrack album and it includes deborah pratt and donna belisario's kids and and some other ones and they are called the prat pack hilarious all right uh the song goes you're a Looney Tune in a big white room, and I'm a hologram from the future, moving fast straight into the past. And I have to say, to say I'm pleased, pleased to meet, to meet you. Oh, that you're my man. You got to understand. You got the power to write, read, say it's guaranteed. I'm gonna teach you what you need. Say A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P, and it goes on the alphabet. I remember, I remember these. At one point, I had this memorized, but. Now, um, now so I do. Good. I could probably repeat it back to you, but oh god, that takes to, me There's back. three different versions of this song. There is the, the one the in the version episode. in the in the episode, and then there's the soundtrack version, which is more generic, like less episode based, but still like contextless. That you're gonna be confused if you just heard. If you listen this. to the Quantum Leap soundtrack. It's got the Quantum Leap theme song. It's got <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I don't know if they thought this was gonna get like distributed someplace. What but is the it's like, no? What is the, the rock ABC song rap's that? not gonna be not <laughs> gonna be a thing, guys. Um, and I'm sure that they made this specifically just because they were going to release a soundtrack album, and they're like, Dean Stockwell can't sing but let's throw a rap and in And he there. doesn't he doesn't really um, rap either. He says it like he's like no. preaching at 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's a there's a version, the original written version of it, which is in the script, which I've read, which is slightly different. But there's a line in it that's hilarious to me, where where Al says like, "Sam's my man," something something. Party Hardy drink some Bacardi. And that's why your Tumblr page title is Party yeah, Hardy drink it, some Yeah, Bacardi. it's an esoteric reference to wow. the ABC rap. Because You're that's such a bizarre thing to say, especially... when I'm a hologram from the future. I got it! Yeah. I remember it! My brain yeah. is no longer Swiss cheese to Allison. Oh, Party God. Hardy drink some Bacardi. Like, what a bizarre thing to describe that character, especially in wow. season three. Like, it's like oh. Sam Beckett is not a character that's like... Party Hardy drinks some Bacardi. Hensley <laughs> was, so was not used in the episode. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, now I remember. Need... I remember too, like seeing an interview where they talked to Dean Stockwell about the ABC rap, and like he seems kind of embarrassed about it. <laughs> and he was saying, like, he's like, it was throwing me off so much that I just I was forgetting the alphabet. I just... <laughs> what is the uh, what is the the rock song that Sam sings that kind of is about the plot that's on the soundtrack as well? Oh, there was an episode called Glitter Rock where right. he leaps into like a kiss band and they sing a song. It's called Fate's Wide Wheel. And a lot of the lyrics are about like being lost in time and like the face mm-hmm. I see. It's all that's real to me and no one knows. And it's like in context, you're like, well, why are all these lyrics kind of about Sam's life? Like, it seems really weird. This it's rock band would have a soundtrack. Um, it's yeah, for yeah, the, sure. it's for the well, entirely lucrative Well, they got Scott Bakula to sing a lot because Scott Bakula was on Broadway. I actually he did that. So, I, as I said, I was like thirteen or fourteen or twelve or eleven, somewhere middle school aged when I watched this because um, we had the DVDs around. And uh, between that and Michael J. Fox movies, all of them. It was just what I'd watch when I was sick. I'd be home from school and I'd be like, there's nothing on TV. Well, I could watch Quantum Leap or I could watch another terrible rom-com starring Michael J. Fox. So that's (laughs) where my exposure to Quantum Leap comes from. And, uh... Oh! Nope, that wasn't it. Wait. Oh, it's actually the first place I heard the song Imagine by John Lennon. Really? Was (laughs) was, uh, Sam Beckett's cover of it was where I was going with that. Wow. That's a great episode, though. It is. I love that episode. And uh, now I want to hear a rap battle between Dean Stockwell and McGruff the Crime Dog, though. Yeah, that's (laughs) probably... I don't know. Probably I don't know one if for he... the ages. <laughs> I I always thought it was funny when they would get him to do songs on the show because normally they would uh, Dean Stockwell. I mean, because like they would play up the fact that he is not really a great singer. Like he he could do decent, I think, like not professionally, but sort of carry a tune. But especially when you care, you compare it to like Scott Bakula, who's done Broadway. You just like he just has this. It's, Dean Stockwell has this gravelly voice and. They sort of have to coach him through the songs, I think. Yeah. Um, so it is That's... pretty funny when they have him, like, he'll have to teach Sam how to sing something. They have one where Sam's got to sing Valare, and then oh, Al yeah, is and telling him the Al, lyrics, Al but is... he's just speak singing them. So he just goes, Al is Valare, oh, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the only time they got Your him love to speak is Italian. Me wings. Weird. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or anytime they, he had to teach Sam to dance was pretty fun. Too. They'd have like the one where he leaps into the um, the beauty pageant, 
and then he's got to do the his talent contest thing. And so it's Scott Bakula in this like Carmen Miranda fruit hat and and crop top <laughs> dress or whatever, and Dean Stockwell in front of him, and they're both singing Quanta Lagusta. <laughs> together. I don't remember that episode, but I remember the footage from the one of the theme song videos. <laughs> oh man, that is uh, now, the funniest. You know thing what you're doing to me now. I have to rewatch this entire series, Alice. <laughs> I highly recommend it. I don't ever talk about Quantum Leap, but I do recommend you don't? that. You yeah, know, I didn't even know you liked it. <laughs> man, I love. I, I just love it. I talk about it forever. Uh, this is going to be a lot of this interview, so I'm sorry. I just it's no, awesome. that's Fine. okay. I you see it at. There was literally a point where uh, my two favorite shows were Quantum Leap and Real Ghostbusters. So watching nice. you and Phelan's videos, I'm like, I remember that way more than any other nostalgia-based critic. <laughs> <laughs> Chick or otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's something there's something sentimental too about like you were mentioning that you were sick when you would watch it like mm-hmm. a, a lot, and there's something really sentimental about something that you watch when you're sick, like it just sticks with you. At oh least yeah, I find like well, I, um, the first time I saw Army of Darkness, which I, I saw before the Evil Dead movies, it was it was when I was sick, and that just I had I had that exact me. same experience with Full House and Scrubs. Full House and Scrubs were my I'm sick show. And so, because that was on in the middle of the day as reruns, and yeah, so it was either yeah. it was either Scrubs, Full House, or game shows. And so I was like, "Fuck game shows, I hate them." <laughs> so I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch Full House or Scrubs. And so I watched those, and then it just like weaseled its way into my I, brain. I was telling you, uh, Allison, that Haley was the one who pointed out to me that in season one of Full House, uh, every outfit that uh, Uncle Joey is wearing, there is also a mannequin in, in the background <laughs> who is wearing How the same bizarre. outfit. How bizarre I, is I, that? I thought if anyone had known about that, it would have been you, Allison. But when Haley told it to me, I'm like, you're lying. There's no way I could and have not And then I showed him the pilot and like several other episodes like, and it was always there. What the f- which I, you know, I I watched a lot of Full House when I was a kid, but I don't remember a lot of it now. I haven't rewatched it. Oh, now I we're in my real Dave house. I remember Dave Coulier was my favorite character, though, because if you're watching something and and it's got a really annoying character, if I watched that as a kid, that was my favorite. See, that's yeah. the great thing about Full House, though, is all of them are so annoying. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> and then uh, Allison still every time I reblog from same pick of Dave Coulier. Um, <laughs> Allison reblogs it from me, which is a fantastic blog because, like, it delivers as promised. Oh, yeah. It is, in we- fact, the same picture of Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> and on April Fool's, they turn the, on the first April Fool's on that blog, they turn the photo upside down. And this most Ooh. recent one, I fucking loved, in which it's a phone recording the picture. <laughs> uh, a video, a 10 second video clip of just that picture of Dave Coulier <laughs> as they're chewing, they're like eating chips in the background while they're recording the picture. Amazing. How so long it, have they been maintaining this blog? I think they just set up a queue, because it goes up the same time well, every can, day. I know on Tumblr you can only set up 300 things in your queue. So that so, means So I think they mark every... on their calendar. Yeah, I think they mark on their calendar what is the day when they need to replenish the Dave Coulier queue. Wow. Yeah, or like they'll just once like pop every, in every, every once in a while. So. Well, which is a more crazy dedication, that or every pick, day. or picking out 
every night picking out your outfit, sneaking upstairs while your best friend's friends are asleep, dressing a mannequin in that in identical clothing, going back downstairs, pretending you were asleep the whole time, for the only reason I could potentially imagine is scaring the shit out of Everyone. Danny's kids. Yeah. You would just, you wouldn't want them around your kids after that. No. You'd be like, you need some help. Like, yeah, I don't think Uncle Joey is fit to be around children. I don't think he's well. Oh, I don't think he's well. I think he's unwell. <laughs> but, do you, yeah. Do you guys remember that that Disney Channel original movie called The 13th Year that he was in? No. No. It was one that I, I liked because I like mermaids. Um, oh, wait was, a minute, I know this one. You know what it is? The yeah. one where it's the kid who turns into a, a merboy yeah, on his 13th birthday, and, and Dave Coulier was his uh, his father in it. And I didn't realize until recently, um, the woman playing his mother is Lisa Stahl from uh, Baywatch and Baywatch Nights. Oh, wow! She was the, the psychic character from uh, Baywatch Nights se- season one, and she was... She was the same character in Baywatch proper, but she wasn't a psychic yet. She was like this hippie dippy ad- chick named Destiny. Adventure in fucking actors winding up in places. I often remember Disney Channel original movies at very inopportune times for Charlie. Um, and I say things like, remember Luck of the Irish? She just started screaming. I at- remember Luck of the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> one night, Haley that was had, like... That uh, had Timothy Olmanson in it. Yeah, the, the Illinois Nazi. <laughs> One night, Haley was like, hey, I have to smoke a cigarette. Come on, we're going outside. And then she just started screaming at me about luck of the Irish. And I'm like, I don't believe you. (laughs) One of the ones I was obsessed with as a kid was Don't Look Under the Bed. Um, Where it was uh, this girl and her imaginary friend who comes back into her life when she's uh, in high school, I think. And there's there's like these monsters under the bed and there's the boogeyman and they got to fight the boogeyman. I loved that as a kid. There's so, a bunch of good ones. Remember that old Disney Channel original movie, Mobster Lobster? <laughs> <laughs> where it's like. Oh, is that a... where um, there's leprechauns and basketball? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> In every single Disney Channel original movie, there is leprechauns and basketball. Wait, can we write... That's literally all I remember about Luck of the Irish, is just like the basketball game. And, ba- and I'm like, what the hell? Well, there's is going always on? basketball. Every Wait. Disney Channel movie from that time period was basketball. Wait, Haley, well, that's. So, like. To cash in on the success of Airbud and Space Jam. And Teen Wolf. And Teen Wolf! I love Teen Wolf. It might just be that at one point it was one of the only movies in my house. Big Wolf on Campus was basically Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf 2! Because yeah. it's a campus. <laughs> no, they already had Teen Wolf T-O-O, which was basically no, I know. That's Teen the one Wolf that... 2 again. Teen Wolf 2 was the one that took place on college instead of high school, and it was wrestling instead of basketball, and instead of Michael J. Fox, it was Jason Bateman. And then Can I can I say this though? I, I liked Teen Wolf 2 better than Teen Wolf 1. Just because it was the same movie, but it was like the funny bad version. It was the Teen Gremlins Wolf 2 1, of Teen Wolf. Not really. Yeah, you so would much. think you would think I would be into Teen Wolf, and I I want to, but every time I watch it, there's this vaguely skeezy vibe about it. Well, because it's incredibly into. homophobic. It is. It is well very as, homophobic. But my yeah. favorite my favorite thing about Teen Wolf is actually it's a very small thing. It's the coach in the first movie, and the first movie opens with the coach of the other team saying, "So you want to just forfeit?" And he says, 
yeah, I figured, you know, game's over. We'll miss the six o'clock traffic. And I'm like, what? Who is this guy? And then later, he gives the Michael J. Fox character, Scott, who is a great Scott, by the way. Hmm. Um, he gives him some advice. <laughs> I got you. And that is, uh, kid, here are the words that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Uh, never date a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on it, her body. And never go with a woman... Uh, no, never play cards with a man with the same first name as a city. Stick with that, and everything is cream cheese. And then I was like, that is the worst advice for this particular <laughs> situation. Oh, you're confused because your friendship's tearing apart because you're turning into a werewolf. Get 12 hours of sleep. And don't play cards with Michigan Jones. Mm. Thanks, Coach Get it, It's a metaphor for, like, puberty and coming of age. Have, you know, that's what you would tell a kid. Have you reviewed <laughs> these Disney Channel original movies? Like, Luck of the Irish? What? Have, have you, you reviewed, reviewed Luck, Luck of, of the, the Irish? Irish? Oh, I didn't review Luck of the Irish. Can I, you review? <laughs> I, I reviewed, uh, I think out of Disney movies, like, on movie nights, I've done The Love Bug with Bruce Campbell... Uh, and uh, Life Size with Tyra Banks. I love your Life Size video because my sisters were obsessed with Life Size at one point. So I had seen I that movie it like when I was three a kid. times. It was I watched. But like, uh, it, I didn't realize how dark it was. The stuff with like using the Necronomicon is to raise her mother <laughs> from the dead, but that's what brings the doll to life. Oh what? my god! I uh, and I got on a huge. Mary Kate and Ashley kick after your videos of those. <laughs> it's true. It was actually those. genuinely concerning. No, I because like, <laughs> what a weird history. I those like, are movies that do not hold up at all. Like, nothing I about watched their them when life. I was a kid, and they are really bad. <laughs> nothing about their life makes sense in retrospect. Like they started acting when they were three months old, and it's like, well, I guess they're the most famous people in the world now, probably. <laughs> There's kind of an interesting story about them, and there's this movie called Billboard Dad that they did. Do you remember this? No. Their dad was a billboard? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It was, uh, I remember when Billboard Dad came out because it was, uh, it was another one of those movies like they have a single parent who they've got to pair up, and they decide that they're going to create this billboard to get their dad a date, and, um, a lot of it just takes place on the beach and, and all that. And, um... Troy and Belisario was in it, um, the daughter of uh, Deborah Pratt and Donald Belisario. And, oh, uh, she, from, she from the ABC friends. rap. Yeah, from the ABC rap. <laughs> and uh, she was she was friends with Mary Kate and Ashley, and she didn't do a lot of child acting. She, um, but they they were planning on doing this. Uh, she was um, in uh, an episode of Quantum Leap and an episode of Tequila and Benetti as well uh, when she was a kid. Tequila and, and they were planning on making her uh, an a, an actress, a child actress, and an actress. Dean Stockwell spoke up and said, "Like I don't do this to her. Like I was a child actor, and it was really horrible. Just like let her be a kid." And so that's what they did. And she was really grateful because she was friends with Mary Kate and Ashley and mm. saw what child stardom did to them. So it's kind of interesting how their their lives went. And and the fact that the first ever appearance of Elizabeth Olsen, who's just in every movie now, uh, is just, go away, little sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, man, I love the early appearances of, of Lizzie Olsen. I didn't actually realize that she had made it big when we did that first one. Um, and then people were like, oh, yeah, because she's in that. She, you know, she's the Scarlet she's, Witch. And I was like, she's in what? a banger. She's in a Because I don't know what's going on currently. I don't know what's happening in, in real movies now. I just live like 20 years in the in the past. Okay, so, so Jurassic only... Parkman is mean to Thor. Oh, Jurassic Parkman's so mean to Thor. Batman met Spider-Man. She has seen Baywatch, though. That's... <laughs> Yeah, you so know what really prepped me for the for the reboot movie. I knew all the backstory and the lore that you needed to be up. Well, on. I'm like now I'm like brainstorming in my head for you of like shit I want to see you do. I want. I've told of. I've told her that I I mentioned that there's a thing I've seen no one do reviews of, which is bizarre because it's bizarre is the Earth Day special, which has everyone who was ever famous in it. Oh yeah, with that shitty fucking improv scene you showed me between it did have a <laughs> improv Meryl Streep and Meryl um, Streep and Kevin Costner yeah. do the worst where, improv okay, scene so of all time. Kevin Costner is uh, is dressed in a bartender outfit on the other side of the bar from the door. Meryl Streep enters and says, "Are you the bartender?" And Kevin Costner clearly has to fucking think about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's like, uh, yes, that would be, yeah, I'm the bartender. Yes, I am the bartender. And And then, like, oh, good. She's complaining (laughs) about the state of the earth, and he just goes, it's, it's, it's really bad. bad. No, he goes, it's, it's, it's bad. Exactly like that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, it's so good. Have you checked out the Earth Day special yet? It's phenomenal. I haven't. I did ask Phelan about it. Uh, He said he had. He had seen the clips of uh, Hill El- of Elon Spangler, brother Elon of Elon Spangler, Ghostbuster. Yeah. I'll have to check it out sometime. Oh when is Earth Day? Earth Day's in April. I believe it April. might be 420. <laughs> no, it's okay. not. It's something it this year. I think, uh, okay, either Arbor Day or Earth Day changes every year. One of them's a consistent date, and one of them is a changing date nearby that I don't know how it's determined. Uh, and like a Thanksgiving kind of situation. I don't know exactly what it is, but one of them is on 420 sometimes. Uh, question. What? What happened to our podcast? We just are talking about <laughs> quantum leap. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a great time. It's just like this time. is the l- most informal snub dub we've ever done. I love it. It's what, really good. What, it's super what, relaxing. Like, what is it normally? Oh, it's normally, like, kind of formatted, but, like, it's suddenly just become this sort of, like, lay back and talk about TV shows and thing. No, don't which worry. I'm really not, excited we're best about. at. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, once we realized that that was where this was going, we, we were, We just like, started rolling with it. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, this yeah, is great. This is, a, so far, the longest snub dub, and we don't really... I'm just like I'm just We're like cool. well, ready to go. You can feel free to cut out a lot of the quantum leap stuff. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. Actually, let's discuss quantum leap if you want, Allison. No, no, no. Uh, wait, no. I do have a couple questions. I want to wait. Hold on. Okay. I do want to at least, at the very least, bring up um, the fact that Doogie Hauser plays the uh, most out of type character I've ever seen him in. I oh, mean, yeah, he's like a 50s greaser bully. Yeah, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is a 50s... And not, like, modern Neil Patrick Harris. Like, baby... baby oh, this Neil. was... Yeah, this was Doogie Hauser days. I mean, he, still he looks always like did a have acting chops, but, like, he has a lot wider range now. He could play, like, one character back then, and now, obviously, you know, he's... Yeah. He's, he is the series of unfortunate events. Uh, all of those series that's all him he's doing he made those events happen unfortunately yeah 
Um, well, you were just rewatching that one because I just watched it for the stuff, first time. You? That was the only the only DVD I didn't own was that season. So I oh okay I was you like uh, hadn't heard their voices in forever and never heard the Leapers voice. So when I started reading your fan fiction, I was like, well, I should probably refresh. Eh, I'll watch the what is that season five? Yeah, that was I'll watch season five because yeah, I've yeah, never all seen of their it. appearances written season five. I I had like meant to get to season five for a while but like dvds were expensive and then like by the time uh it was streamable i was out of school so it didn't really matter if i was sick (laughs) yeah yeah so i wasn't like oh i'm sick what do i do i was just like this is a day for me i don't do anything in the days i'm not working so yeah (laughs) But season five was the best season. They had the remix theme, and oh, that theme of... song is bad. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> be honest. Of gimmicky with you. I... things going on. I think that's the season where they got the vampire leap, and and they would start doing. Little... I actually haven't seen the vampire leap yet. More the Bacula's vampire leap's kind of funny. They, there is I a mean, I, I like all the seasons, but that's that's clearly when they were trying to get like ratings, ratings ball, and so they were they were trying out more constantly leaping into celebrities. So I have a question. Yeah. Oh yeah, you. yeah. The, I, is Doctor Ruth that season? I hate the Doctor Ruth episode. I haven't seen it, so yes. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, a, I think that's the season they did it. I have a question for you. Um, hmm. What is something you have always wanted to review, but you've never felt? either like ready for or like didn't feel like it would work or you're just sort of like it's still boggling around your head because you want to do it like justice or is there anything that's sort of like been this um intangible review that you can't quite get your head around yet there's some there's a lot of them like when there's a movie that's like really infamously bad and there's like a ton of material to it i do tend to kind of get intimidated by them a little bit because i do want to make a a video that's like as good as the material like there's a lot to live up to with those like things when when you're covering something like an old mary kate and ashley movie like there's not a lot of standards there you know you just talk about like how or we wish you a turtle christmas or we wish you turtle Christmas, but there's some of them that I've I've held on to for for various reasons. Like, a, I haven't gotten to Ninja Three: The Domination. That's one I I plan to do. Um, there's one that Dean Stockwell was in that's called uh, Werewolf of Washington, hmm. and I want to do it, but it's also public domain, so I keep like f- like flipping around on it because like it'd be cool to do something with it, like a riff or something. Um, because it's public domain, but yeah, like um, a full like mystery science theater kind of a thing. Yeah, but I've never really attempted one of those, and so that's a lot to to do. So I've just been so let's on real to time fan dub it. Yeah, let's real yeah. time fan dub it. I, I might actually just do a regular review of it, and then if I do something special with it, it'll be different anyway. Yeah. Um, so that one I've been hanging on to, and um, well, cause, like, and I've been hanging a... on to Quantum Leap honestly because I I've wanted to review it for a long time because I talk about it enough, but uh, I just wasn't sure what format. But I think starting um, next year, I think I'm going to start a new series on it, because I think I kind of know what I want to do. Well, because like, now you have this experience. Do you need any help with that? Huh? <laughs> do you need any help with that? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate it, but I do. I mean, it's it's going to be my own thing. <laughs> I um, No, absolutely. But I uh, I was... 
like now I'm thinking like you could do like a Baywatching thing with it. Like you could, cause you, you're so familiar with the whole subject matter. You could just do a watch through of the whole thing and just like episode by episode, like riff well, through the show you love so dearly. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I want to do, but, um, like this, this could be subject to change. This is all right, of course. me just like, um, mulling it over. But, um, I've been doing a lot of listening to the quantum leap podcast, which is, is really great. And they're really informative and, um, one thing I noticed and one thing that that I, I it was sort of a revelation to me is that um, watching it was was teaching me a lot about history, about yeah. things that were happening around the time. And and so because doing like Quantum Leap, like a Baywatching style is a little difficult because I do really love it. It's not a lot to make fun of in, in right. like the, the hilariously bad spectrum. Like there are some episodes, but um and you obviously and there are some things can't I can touch analyze the, about it. You can't touch the glory and perfection that is the ABC rap. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing funny about that. <laughs> but, um, but I, but I figured one of the things I wanted to do was talk about. I do know a lot of these behind the scenes things now. Like I've I've read uh, the uh, Beyond the Mirror Image companion book, and there's lots of really informative resources. So I, I but I haven't seen like a video series about it. So I would like to go episode by episode just talk about what happened in history around then what were the circumstances like a, behind this like a video essay like almost more educational yeah, sort exactly. of like paying a, homage a to the essay. educational nature and experience you had watching the show originally yeah and talk about like not only that but like what are the movies that influenced it there's ones that they clearly they're t- doing a riff on like or not a riff but like a take on driving miss daisy or casablanca things that i haven't seen and like would like to compare it to right. um so you uh, gotta watch casablanca first i gotta watch casablanca well i probably should have by now anyway yeah me but, too uh, i watched this, it this I would w- be i feel like this would be a good journey for me to actually like dive deeper into the context of these things so how quantum like leap made me a better and critic <laughs> also uh the, the every because there's only two cast members because there's two people that appear in every episode they constantly need to cycle in new cast every episode. And uh, the there are a lot of people that, like, later became famous that, like, first showed up in Quantum Leap. And there's... Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Certainly. And uh, then... Michael Madsen. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I watched the Jennifer Aniston one. That was... Jennifer, and it, she was, the best part is, like, she's playing totally against type because no one knew how to typecast her at the time because she hadn't been in anything. <laughs> Uh, was it that against type though? Like she's a know. nice character. You're like, right. I thought. It, I just isn't it didn't Rachel kind of like that? Maybe I. I might not know Friends that well. I'm sorry. I I, <laughs> I vaguely know Friends, but I don't think she was like a, a villainous type. I ain't never <laughs> seen a friend. You had, I well you ain't never had a friend like me. I ain't never had a friend like you. <laughs> so um. But she was yeah she was fairly young. I mean this was past Leprechaun but before Friends. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, he was still a child then. Oh, yeah, and... she was in Leprechaun. I forgot about yep. that. <laughs> um, so this has been an absolute romp, but we're like over the two. We're like, this is a feature-length snub-dub. This is a Lord of the Rings-length snub-dub. Snub-dub the movie, um, the prequel to Mobster Lobster. Yeah, so I think we should <laughs> the probably... The first movie in the Mobster Lobster trilogy. Yeah, bring it to a wrap. Um, a ABC rap, yeah. if you will. I'm a Looney Tune. No, you're a Looney Tune in a big white room, and I'm a hologram from the future. 
So um, what we do usually is end up on uh, a little segment we like to call, uh, uh, do you got stuff you need to plug? Well, plug it now. Also just known as plugs. We got a little plugs theme song. It goes like that. Like Pretend it just played. Yeah. We're going to edit it in. Don't worry. It happened. <laughs> So, uh, if there's any projects you're working on right now, anything you want to bring attention to, anything or, your or friends are your doing. Or just your social media links. Social media links. I'll pop them up on the screen. Sausage links. Yeah. <laughs> Link. Jimmy Deans. Link you like to do to a little product placement? <laughs> well, uh, if you want to find my stuff uh, that we've mentioned on here, movie nights or Baywatching, uh, you can find me on YouTube under youtube.com slash movie nights the series. Um, I'm also on phalus.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Obscurus underscore Lupa. Uh, Facebook or Tumblr is Movie Nights the Series. Uh, and if you want to support my stuff on Patreon, patreon.com slash Movie Nights. I think that covers it. Awesome. Uh, Charlie, you got anything coming up right now? You're all going to be in my experimental film. <laughs> and even though I can't explain it, I already know how great it's. Yep. Um, <laughs> Our movie is premiering on YouTube uh, November 11-18, as well as uh, we're airing it at a panel at DerpyCon called uh, An Oral History of Homestar Runner. DerpyCon in Morristown, New Jersey. DerpyCon.com. Yes. And it's going to YouTube.com slash C slash Hooded Cobra via... Yes, Haley? Yeah, I have my hand up. Um, yeah, yes? <laughs> yeah, uh, that... That? Okay. Yeah. We also have a channel that not many people know about where we decided uh, if we're going to do things like behind the scenes and commentary rather than like, because like who, who's old, when's the last time you bought a DVD? Never. <laughs> so never we have a, 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 a side DVD. channel that's just the behind the scenes features. Yes. You want to give that link? Oh, I can't. <laughs> YouTube.com slash zero underscore slash channel. It's, uh, you need a hundred subscribers to get a custom URL. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, not many people know about the behind the scenes yeah. channel. So, so just type in a bunch of numbers and letters and eventually you'll find it. <laughs> no, uh, we'll put a link up. Yeah, we'll put a link up. And Maybe then, a bit um, that do. A bit that do. <laughs> a bit that do. And URL share. Uh, Welcome to the URL shortener. Bidadoo! Sponsored uh, by the Cake Boss. Sponsored by the and Cake the Boss. And the Mobster Lobster. And the Mobster Lobster movie. I, of course, have been Haley Copter. You can find my stuff at youtube.com slash c slash hey stu... Helicopter. No, it's so changed YouTube. now. youtube.com slash c slash helicopter. That's right. And then uh, that's Haley with two Ys. Um, H-A-Y-Y-Y-L-E-Y. Yeah, it's too many Ys. Too many Ys. But, um, and, uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, that's where you can find the video version. If you're watching the video version and you don't want to fucking eat up your data, there's a SoundCloud version, soundcloud.com oh, slash the SnubDub podcast. And it's also on iTunes under SnubDub. So this YouTube app keeps eating my daters. It eats your daters. It's a data eater. It's a potato eater. Uh, so, also... We do a show called Real Time Fandub, and one of the uh, the most recent episode actually, yeah. Allison, Allison, Allison as as basically just some very '90s lady who's not the villain, <laughs> <laughs> not a villain, definitely.